Oh, I gotta turn my fan off. Ugh. I'm not gonna lie, my asshole is probably gonna explode. Great. I, well, this is like fiber explosion because I just made like this healthy lunch, dinner, breakfast type thing. Then I put broccoli and spinach in it. Game over. Kind of but I did install a bidet the other day in my toilet. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Dude, it gets right, like, the center of your asshole. It just, boom. I don't know how it does it. <laughs> it's got some type of targeting system? Is that what you're I don't implying? know, man. It, like, retracts behind this little cover. It has, like, a self-wash thing. I just got the cold water one. They also have a warm ankle water one. But Wow. Man. That'll wake so, you up in the morning. So do you have a little remote control with it? And do you have yeah. a string to aim at your ring piece? No. It, it has two uh, little knobs on the side. So it has a knob that uh, self-washes. and has a knob to uh, adjust the pressure of the water stream. Yeah, you don't want to go too hard, do you? No, you go low. Dude, go. <laughs> you will probably, I don't know, even low like hits pretty hard. And I'm just like, good lord. <laughs> wow does it have the douche button what's a douche button oh fuck's sake does your toilet have a douche button <laughs> no I use toilet paper like everybody normal it's every a European thing <laughs> I use toilet paper like normal people but see this I mean all you need the toilet paper for is to dry off <laughs> You We've all had hot poops, and this will solve that. Wow. We should, we should change the name of the podcast for episode 100. All you need is douche. <laughs> I'm down with it. <laughs> Amy, do you have a way to turn your mic up? Because I can't hear you compared to the rest of these idiots. Now she's probably uh, left. All right, let me check in here. I'm giving you guys solid advice here. You're shitting on shitting all over it, and then I have had all over it. Then you can use a bidet to. I have had long discussions with Miles about his bidet. Have you used it? No, but it doesn't eliminate the need for toilet paper. So what good is it? It 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 eliminates. Um, it eliminates the need for a lot of toilet paper. You just need a couple, a couple. You know, based on your ply, you just need a couple sheets. Now, could you, would you say that, um, because in my world, I, I need like a good quality, like Charmin toilet paper. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Would you, with a bidet, could you just get away with like Scott's? Yeah, dude. I mean, all you need, I mean, when you get up, you get a little, some drippage, obviously. We're not, we're not living in a perfect world after all, but you know, you just get, you just, you know, spread them open and just dry <laughs> off. <laughs> I don't know what else you want from me. It's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> you guys are asking a lot of questions about this. Oh man! Well, you seem to be already figuring on B days, man. <laughs> you guys have been stopped in the shower before, and now you just have a dedicated knob to just stream some high pressure water right into your bee hole. <laughs> right up to your ring. So, that's all I really wanted to say. I'm gonna, I'm gonna catch you guys later. All right, great. <laughs> Good having you on, Mike. <laughs> Thanks for that update, dude. <laughs> oh my god. He got us up a day for Christmas. 
and it didn't fit our toilet, so we had to give it back to them. So now I'm like, how do you return a bidet? Slightly used. Oof. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> the thing, like, it was the wrong shape for our toilet, and the way our toilet is, is you need a plug for the particular one we had. And the only right. plug is on the other complete side of the room, so it couldn't even reach, even with an extension cord. It was like, yeah, we're not going to just have, like, a lot of wires in our bathroom. That just seems like a bad idea. Yeah, so, like, the one I got, it just hooks up right to your uh, your water valve. So you just shut the water valve off, install it, hooks up right to your tank. So when the toilet fills, so does the bidet. And you could just, you could stream that shit all day if you wanted to. So are we talking butt plugs, now? Okay, you're gross. <laughs> Ooh, we're not. Did you fart when you laughed? Yeah, I did actually. Oh, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> I'm a back. Boy, Amy, I'm sure you have missed the fucking escapades of this place. Every single bit of it. Every last uh, bit of it. He's so surprised. Like, oh, Mike's lost the shit already. <laughs> Where did this come from? Oh my god! Like my recent recent uh, acquisition. Okay, well, now that we've gotten that through, uh, are we ready to begin? I if guess. that's not quite open, I don't know what is. Come on! <laughs> it doesn't get much better. And we're back. What was that noise? I don't know what you're talking about. Mike farted again. I, I wish I farted. It came out of my mouth. Oh, God. Ew. So a fart in reverse? Absolutely. <laughs> Holy shit. Literally. All right, everybody. Um, This yeah, is going to be our last episode because of just how far we've gone down the deep end. It's There's no coming back from here. <laughs> Good God. Anyway, welcome to All You Need Is Blood, episode number 97. Joining me are my two co-hosts, Mike Whittemore and Shane Smith, and special guest, Amy Davis-Tobin. Everyone, how are we doing today? Good. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, after that start. Ugh. Well, on the podcast, we like to discuss horror movies, talk shit to each other, various other nonsense, including but not limited to music, movies, games, comics, whatever else happens to come up. We're the official podcast of UpcomingHorrorMovies.com, our Gmail account, AllYouNeedIsBloodPod at gmail.com, the Facebook group, AllYouNeedIsBlood, Instagram account, AllYouNeedIsBloodPodcast, and if you're listening to us, it's on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, just type in AllYouNeedIsBlood and subscribe. That was a lot. You got through it. All right. That's the sound that Mike's B-Day makes. (laughs) As it runs out. Have you ever run out of of water while you're doing it? 
No, I mean, you just you don't like lay on it. I mean, it's only so clean you can get. Let's be honest. Got to get rid of any killing ones, haven't you? You know. Any oh. dingleberries are gone. Exactly. Due to my lack of penis, um. <laughs> does the bidet subscribe to the same set of rules of you know like shake it twice it's playing with yourself or I don't know I just let it go this, this is an excellent question <laughs> I just okay if we're gonna do, we're gonna do this we're gonna do this so like I sit down how many extra blasts are you doing Mike so I just do, I don't know how many blasts I can't really count it in blasts but like I just run it I just kind of wiggle around on the seat until I feel like it's gotten the whole area. And then I'm done. I get up, pat myself, take a big smile in the mirror, and I go about my day. Don't wink at a smile. That's Don't wink at a smile. <laughs> I wish they had one. Washing your hands. Yeah, I don't, I don't wash my You don't need to with a bidet. You, know? you don't need to. <laughs> you can just, it's just water. Oh, my God. Uh-oh. Well, it sounds Ziggy like Ziggy's interested. So, Ziggy, what do you have to say about the whole B-Day crisis? <laughs> really? They should what? make a cat B-Day. <clears throat> like a water litter box? Yeah. I've had cats my whole life. Like I feel I like... I don't think I need that in my life. <laughs> I feel like they could use a little extra help. Although, I'm not going to lie, that kitten's asshole, like, in the morning, she's trying to push it right into your face, and you're like, come on, man, like, I can see the duty, get it out of here. <laughs> it's kind of like this thing in the morning, when he wakes me up, he jumps on the bed and he wakes me up, and basically just flaunts his ass in my general direction, and I just, I'm, mm. dude, get the fuck out, you know. Val's cat used to, like, drag her ass across Val's bed to like <laughs> to like get off you have worms <laughs> yeah worms <laughs> something to do with the poop oh so in the morning this is there's a funny little thing that butter does whenever we have clean sheets um butter hops up on the bed in the morning and goes to say you know good morning and and puts her butthole right onto the sheets and le- literally leaves a pucker mark oh my ah. god <laughs> like well time for new sheets <laughs> Either That's adorable. Dog definitely needs to get the fuck out. <laughs> oh. That means they love you. Yeah. All right, guys. So, what is going on recently? Uh, you been getting into anything recently, Mike? Besides your bidet? Uh, no, no. I mean, I've still been doing my year of horror. I'm on like, I think I'm almost done. <laughs> I've got like 320 movies. Well, I think you're almost done, Mike, because it's fucking December. <laughs> Started doing it since June, so. Oh, okay. But I'm just doing uh, Christmas horror movies this month. So, so far I've watched uh, Christmas Evil. There was a Christmas tree in one of the movies I'm about to talk about today. Um, just want to count that. Uh, I did Day of the Beast, which is a Christmas movie, which I'll talk about today. I did Elves, To All a Good Night, and Black Christmas so far. So wow. I started Black off. Black Christmas. Oh, the OG. The okay. original is the best Christmas movie out there. Unfortunately, Val and I saw the the new woke Black Christmas, the re remake, the re re release. Yeah, didn't you guys see that in theaters? I did. Back when theaters were a thing. Other than than that, I'm compiling a list of my 2020 metal albums because I'm not not doing anything else. And uh, yeah, working out every day, eating broccoli. 
putting up a storm. You know, living living the bachelor life. That sounds amazing, Mike. <laughs> I want to go to there. <laughs> <laughs> so Shane, what have you been up to recently? Um, baking a lot and like preparing Christmas gifts and Christmas shopping, all that shit that I wish I'd never started. <clears throat> just do what I do and just stop doing it. Like I told my brothers and uh, and all their wives were like, we're just not doing presents for each other like anymore, pretty much. So we're not doing, we're not just not buying them. We're like, we all agreed. Okay. That's great. We're- well, the thing is, right, because I only speak to my niece, so I'll only be buying for her and her kids. And she's about to have another baby in two weeks, so that's going to be... And what's the well, baby going to use, anyway? Exactly. I mean, we don't even know what she's having, because she's having a, she's keeping, her, keeping it a complete surprise. She doesn't even know what she's having. She doesn't know if it's going to be, like, a boy, a girl, a xenomorph, or a predator, you know? So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, one of those things, we have no clue until she gives birth on the 20th. So, um... Other than that, I mean, trying to fix Ziggy up with a date, actually. I don't think the world needs that. What, Ziggy having a date? Yeah. Let the guy get laid. Come on. Yeah, come on. Come on. Pop his cherry. Oh, boy. How do you know? Well, he's an indoor cat, Ryan. So, you know, he's never had the pleasure of of a lady cat. Yeah, but he's been with you. That's true. Yeah, I don't go around fucking cats, mate. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right, I guess. That's like something you shouldn't have to apologize for. <laughs> yeah, we all know what Mike is like. Fucking sick, perverted motherfucker. There's a line in Wayne's World 2 where they ask Wayne to come out, and he's like, no, I think I'm just going to stay here and lick the cat's butt. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's that. Uh, yeah. Other than that, um, I've been doing a lot of baking. I've been baking lots of sausage rolls this week and managed to create my uh, drinking chocolate, my hot drinking chocolate with a few amendments uh, to the recipe, and I'm quite happy with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all good. Um, and just paying bills and looking at stuff I can't afford to buy until the new year. That's the, that's the dream. Yeah, knowing my fucking luck, I'll go to buy it in the new year. It'll be gone. So not much else I can do about that, unfortunately. You can complain but, on here and we'll listen. That's to right. You. Oh, would you guys be prepared for that? <laughs> oh, something I, I don't think. We just listened for 20 minutes while we talked about Mike's asshole. <laughs> there were questions, there was answers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were choices. Choices were made. Oh, man. How about you, Amy? Have you been getting into anything recently? Um, I've got some research projects still going. Like I said, just because the channel kind of went off hiatus, I didn't, like, drop a couple of things because I've got, like, years invested into them. So, um, yeah, like, when you asked me to do this, it was actually funny because I had a couple of skeletons already going for different aspects of religious horror. Uh, but other than that, it's, like, the 365 and... I started that out in October, and yeah, that's about it. Oh, you just started in October. Yeah, I'm at two thirty-eight. 
Wow. Holy shit. Who, uh, I forgot. Who watched more in October? Was it you or Mike? No, me, you did. Yeah, I did. I got, um, I forget how many I hit. Too many. <laughs> how many did I get make? I don't fucking know. Uh, I came in like second or third. So like, oh, I, I knew you were above me. I was surprised that either Necro or Big Fat Ogre didn't get more because they are usually the fucking... I think Necro hit like 190 or something, or Big Fat Ogre did like 180, 190 oh. last year. I'm like, holy shit. I think I hit like 150. <clears throat> oh, damn, Oh, come on, Shane. What? <laughs> oh, I saw an ad this week. Lisa printed it out. It was for uh, underwear liners that you put right where your butthole is. <laughs> and it absorbs the smell, apparently. I can't remember the name of them. We'll find out. <laughs> Mike is obviously interested. Because Val needs one more Christmas present for me. So. <laughs> it, said, it, it said something like, it stops the nasty part of a fart. And I'm like, what's the good part of a fart? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, we all like our own scent. So if it stops that, what do I have to live for? Yeah, that's true. Great. Uh, let's see. What have I been doing? Oh, uh... So I received a screener of Possessor, oh, uh, specifically the uncut version from WellGo USA. Full disclosure. Um, so yeah, that movie was amazing. I Ooh. absolutely loved it. Uh, directed by Brandon Cronenberg. I know we've mentioned this before. I think the last one if we saw the trailer for it. Um, Brandon Cronenberg, son of David Cronenberg. Um. And it sounds so weird, but this is, it, it is a Cronenberg movie. Like, it's it's beautiful. It's, like, it makes you think. It has body horror in it. Like, everything is just fucking mwah, chef's kiss. And um, there's a lot of good stuff in it. The, uh, the, the basic plot is that there's these, there's this, like, corporation that has these assassins uh, who essentially steal the body... They put their mind into the body of someone else in order to carry out an assassination. And uh, it's about this one specific assassin who takes over um, this guy's body, played by uh, Christopher Abbott. And this guy is great, man. I, like, I hadn't heard of him, but um, this guy does a fantastic job, specifically in scenes where his character is sort of like mentally battling the assassin that's taking over his body and he's like you know he acts one way and then he like acts a different way it's like sort of a really good subtle change you know in the uh, performance which is really great uh the colors are absolutely gorgeous everything in it is like beautiful there's all kinds of weird slow-mo scenes um it's got sean bean in it he's oh, fantastic does he die <laughs> I will not spoil that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's just say I had heard of a Sean Bean stipulation for his future films, and I was like, ooh, I'm intrigued now. Does he die? So I'm not going to spoil that for anyone. Okay. Um, but uh, but it is great. And if, if you're a fan of, like, Cronenbergian movie, movies or, like, I don't know, just in general sort of, like, sci-fi horror, this one is something you need to see. It's a little slower paced. So if you like artsy stuff, you're going to enjoy it. If you don't like, um, you know, more psychological things, it might not be for you. But 
I think it's really good. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I intend to watch it more than once because I, it's one of those movies that you could definitely get into and like go back and say, oh, okay, I see what was going on in this scene once you have sort of the whole picture in your head. So you got a uh, screener for it? <clears throat> yes, yes. Okay. And you can own it on 4K and Blu-ray combo pack December 8th, which is oh, cool. two days from the day we're recording. So, ha I got it in. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but yeah, I think you could find it. It's on Amazon and it's everywhere else already. It's been on digital for a while. And you can rent it for like five bucks across the board. Yeah. Oh, it's worth a shot. I'm just glad that there's like another Cronenberg now making <laughs> awesome stuff. Yeah, Brandon has his own entity, but definitely like antiviral. You could see Cronenberg all through it. It's like, yeah, he's Cronenberg's son and you can tell, but it's distinctive enough. It doesn't feel like a poor imitation, if that makes sense. Right, right. He's sort of, like you could see the influence. It's sort of like any great director. You know, you could tell who their influences are, but they're their own thing. So, yeah, good one. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, should probably do some news. I got a few stories I wanted to dun, talk dun, about. Dun, 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 news. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> what do I got on here? Uh, Metal Gear Solid, the film uh, lands Oscar Isaac is going to play Solid Snake. Dude, I'm down. And I think awesome. that's a, that's a great choice. He's uh, he's fantastic. Uh, the only thing I'm a little bit worried about is I have never really liked the plots of Metal Gear Solid games. There's like so confusing and convoluted. There's like two dozen snakes and different timelines and like fucking uh, taking over the world and I don't know. It it's it's so overly confusing, unnecessarily in my opinion. I think if they stick with the story of um, sort of Metal Gear Solid, the play, the first PlayStation game. I think that's uh, that'd be a good choice. I don't know that you need to get as complicated as like, oh, he's a clone of this guy who was originally the head of this team, but that team's members are starting to fight back and blah blah blah. But um, it's being directed by Jordan Vogt Roberts, uh, who directed Kong Skull Island. And that's sort of that's like a pretty good action, big special effects movie, and I can see that working uh, working for a Metal Gear Solid film. Yeah, I've only watched uh, I think Val play Metal Gear Solid. <clears throat> I've never really played any of them besides like the NES Metal Gear game. Oh god, that's like that's so hard. And uh, I just like how meta it can be. Like it'll like fake turn off your like PlayStation and shit and over like read your yeah. memory card. I wonder if the movie's going to be like meta like that or not, or they're just going to keep it simple and like, it'll be talking to the audience. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how they would pull something like that off. Um, maybe, uh, it has a lot of potential, but it could also go horribly bad specifically because it's a video game movie. Like the Assassin's Creed movie. <laughs> yeah. The, the odds of it being good are stacked against it. Oh, tea. So good. Uh, what else do I have here? Uh, yeah, recently everyone's been watching this Castle Freak remake. Every, like, Facebook group that I'm on, like, everyone is watching this. And I don't think I've heard a single good thing about it, so I don't know why it's suddenly exploding and people are like, oh, I gotta see this. But 
apparently it's bad. I don't know. Have you have you watched that, Amy? I haven't watched it yet. I've been meaning to because like everybody's been talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, at the original, while it's Jeffrey Combs and it was sort of like I think Full Moon distributed it, um, it I think was lacking sort of in uh, in being a Lovecraft adaption. I don't know. I love of... the original. But do you? Yeah, I do. I don't know why. Like I, no matter how many times I watch it, like I can't get enough of it. Probably because of Barbara Crampton, Jeffrey Combs. But I, I think that movie's great. I'll watch the new one, but I doubt it's going to be uh, any good. I think the trailer said that, what was it? Like, it was, like, daring, or it's, like, a great remake. Like, they they had the it's guts great. to remake it or something. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Weird flex. The guts to remake it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, one thing that they are making, Mike, and I am pumped about this, the Grizzly 2 trailer came out. <laughs> I didn't watch the trailer yet. I oh my wait, god. George <laughs> I can't Clo- believe George that... Clooney in it? Uh, well, they show his face. Ah, perfect. George Clooney, Charlie Sheen, Laura Dern. <laughs> I wonder how so, much they're going to for royalties for this. I, I can't, nothing, right? They probably <laughs> didn't have those contracts back in the day. What if they did get a royalty? They got a check in the mail. Like, Grizzly 2? What the fuck is this? (laughs) (laughs) I hope somebody interviews George Clooney about this. That's what I really want to see. This guy's like a billionaire now, and he's he's getting Grizzly (laughs) 2. So, for anyone who doesn't know, the original Grizzly came out in, like, I don't know. It had to be early 80s, late... Yeah, it was probably early 80s, and it was basically a Jaws ripoff, but with a grizzly bear. Uh, and then they went into production of a sequel, like, almost immediately after. And they never finished the movie, so it just never got made. But now, I guess they went back and they took whatever they had and put it together, and somehow they're releasing this thing. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm excited for it. And, uh, yeah, like I said, George Clooney, Charlie Sheen, Laura Dern, I mean, great cast. Yeah. <laughs> who knows Who knows if they're actually the stars or if they're just, like, background people in it. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, uh, in other news, uh, the Toxic Avenger reboot is coming <laughs> and it's starring Peter Dinklage. Absolutely. Uh, I am like confused would be the first word. Um, how the fuck could they get somebody like Peter Dinklage to be not only in a Toxic Avenger movie, but like a remake of it? Like, what the fuck? It's not like he's short of cash, is it? I, right, exactly. Why would he agree to this? But I don't know. Uh, it's being directed by uh, Macon Blair, uh, who directed I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. That's on Netflix. I, I've heard of it. I haven't watched it, though. Um, And uh, according to the plot, a struggling everyman is pushed into a vat of toxic waste, and he is transformed into a mutant freak. Who must go from shunned outcast to underdog hero as he races to save his son, his friends, and his community from the forces of corruption and greed? His son. Yeah, I'm a little sketchy on that. Uh, Toxic Avenger is supposed to be just like a nerd who's never gotten laid. I don't know yeah. that you want him to have kids. But then again, how do you get like if Peter Dinklage is is he playing the Toxic Avenger? I didn't really read. It, I, he has to be right. I think he I, actually would be better as a bad guy. I don't know. Does Troma have anything to do with this? 
Yes, Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hertz are producers on the film. Oh my god. <laughs> of course they are. Yeah, but are they involved producers? Is that I don't know. Question. <laughs> well, Kaufman just I got mean, a paycheck. Uh, I, I believe Kaufman may own the character rights to the Toxic Avenger. So, I don't know. He could probably <laughs> say which direction it goes, but what does he really care? This is going to be the biggest oh. grossing movie he's had in, you know, <laughs> the last 20, 30 years, probably. I don't know. Return to Nukem High. Oh, I forgot about that. So good. Yeah, but that was sort of, that came out like right after Poultrygeist. So that we're still riding Poultrygeist High. Uh, well, yeah. IMDb Toxic Avenger with Peter Dinklage is currently in development and the data is only available on IMDb Pro. Poultrygeist so was underrated. Was. Yeah, that was a good one. It was a really good musical horror movie. There's not too many great musical horror movies. Uh, Dead in Breakfast, that's a good one. I started watching Anna and the Apocalypse last night. Yep. And I don't know. I'm not a musical guy. It kind of took me off guard. I didn't know it was a musical. <laughs> I was oh, like, no. no. <laughs> I, I watched it earlier this year around the Apocalypse, and it wasn't that bad. I was mm. Did you say you watched it around the Apocalypse? <laughs> no, uh, Anna and the Apocalypse. Oh, I thought you said I watched it around the Apocalypse, like the Apocalypse <laughs> happened, and you like just caught it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> 2020 for you. There you go. And then finally in the news, uh, actor Elliot Page has come out as trans, formerly known as Ellen Page. So congrats to him for having the courage to be who they are. And I look forward to more works. I liked, uh, um, what was that show that I finished watching? The Monkey Show? The, uh, the superhero show. What the hell is that one? Oh, Umbrella Academy. Umbrella Academy. Thank you, Shane. Yeah. Val really enjoys that one. I still haven't watched it. It's good. I liked it. Uh, as the first season I liked better than the comic book that t- tells the same story. I think the uh, the show was a little bit better. As they do a little more with the characters themselves. Specifically, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the movie. Uh, the name of the show. Uh, Elliot's character, whatever. I can't remember. It's been a while since I watched it, but I remember being good. I liked it. So, oh, that just about covers the news, everyone. Uh, let's get to our main topic. What do we say? I suppose. Yeah. So, um, Mike, you and I both love the idea of religious horror. Yep. I think it, it hits that like sweet spot of just awesomeness. Um, so I was really looking forward to doing this and I, I, the list of movies I came up with, I could do like four or five more episodes and I'm like, all right. Yeah. I got like a whole bunch. There's so much good stuff. Um, but I know Shane specifically wanted to come in and swipe up every fucking movie I wanted to talk about. Oh fuck. There was only one. (laughs) No, there was. So I'll let you start Shane. So you could take whatever movie you wanted. All right. Well, basically, yeah. Cause I, I thought to myself, I've got two movies. And then I looked again and I thought, no, I've only really got one. But then I put the thing up on Facebook earlier to which nobody replied. Ah, damn, I forgot to do that. Yeah, and then messaged messaged a couple of friends of mine and they came up with a few religious horror movies. And I said, yeah, I'll give those a mention in a bit. But basically, the first movie I am going to talk about is The Prophecy, 1995, starring Christopher Walken, who is scary, um, (laughs) in Cotillaz and Virginia Madsen. Um, 
because basically, I mean, what's nothing? There's nothing scarier than Christopher Walken playing the Archangel Gabriel. Let's face it, you know. Um, basically, the whole film revolves around um, uh, there's a guy, homicide detective Thomas Daggett, discovers a lethal heavenly prophecy now being fulfilled on Earth. In his fight to stop forces of evil, he finds an unlikely ally, ally even, in a um, elementary school teacher. Now, basically, Thomas himself is a former priest or priest in training. And basically, when he's doing his, um, was it? his, his uh, oh shit, I can't remember what the fucking name of it is. When he's, he's doing, getting his uh, his biblical black belt, that's the one. Yeah, when he's getting that, basically, he has a vision, <laughs> and in that vision, he sees a war between angels, and he freaks out, loses his faith, and then upon realizing that, realizes that they're that. Heaven does exist, and he's been given getting flashbacks and all this kind of shit. Um, in the meantime, a war criminal has died, and basically Christopher Walken, play who is scary, and um, playing Gabriel comes in search for the guy's soul, and the soul itself has been hidden in somebody on Earth. So he basically comes to Earth to try and find who has got the soul so he can take it so he can end the war so to speak or claim it as his own and take him to the whatever side it is because it's christopher walken and he's being scary so basically um Elias cotes and virginia madsen joined forces forces because they realized that the young girl who's in um, Catherine's class, played by Virginia Madsen, who's not scary, um, <laughs> has the little girl is in her class. So basically, hilarity ensues as they're trying to stop Gabriel from getting this little girl. Eric Stoltz then turns up, um, who isn't scary and actually looks quite <laughs> cool. Um, that's hard to believe. <laughs> I know. I mean, look at what he did in Mask. It was amazing. Um, but, uh, yeah, he they basically take this little girl and go on a mission to try and stop Christopher Walken, who is scary, to stop from getting this little girl. Then, you know, <laughs> spoilers, I guess, because this film is like 26 years old. Um <laughs> Viggo Mortensen turns up in probably one of his finest roles as Satan himself. Um, or Lucifer, to give him his correct words or correct title. Um, and, but he's not as scary as Christopher Walken. Because, you know, it's Christopher Walken. He's scary in this film. In fact, he's scary in quite a lot of films that he's in. So it's, And real life. <laughs> and real life. Um, and... Yeah, basically, they end up they end up having a massive punch up, and you know, it all goes a bit tits up, and you know, Christopher Walken, who is scary, ends up being, you know, killed off, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Viggo Mortensen as Satan or Lucifer, uh, basically takes his soul, and you know, the angels end up taking the soul from this like war criminal who isn't as scary and then um basically there we go you know this 
that's pretty much the end of the film. Also has a really cool track by Skid Row called Break, Breaking Down, which is played over the end credits of the movie. Hmm. Do you remember what the sequels did in terms of story? Because I, so I own this and I own a few of the sequels and I fucking could not for the life of me remember what happens after the first one. Me either. But oh yeah, I forget Amanda Plummer was in this one as well because she was was great. Um, Because, oh yeah, that's it. Because Christopher Christopher Walken or Gabriel, who is scary, um, ends up resurrecting people who have just died to get them to do his bidding. Right, and there's something where they don't have eyeballs anymore or something like that? Oh, yeah, that's the angels. Right, right, right. The yeah, angels, the angels don't have, have eyes. their eyes removed when they're dead. And they have no genitals. Just like Dogma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the sequels, but I couldn't tell you what happened. I know there's, I remember, a, I know there's four all together, and the first three are the only ones with Christopher Walken. Yeah. Do you remember this one, Amy? Do you remember what happens in the the later ones? I watched them earlier this year, and I cannot for the life of you. Like, this and the Left Behind movies, I've seen all of them. cannot tell you what happens to them. Wait, what do you mean all the Left Behind movies? All the Kirk Cameron ones? Yes! Oh my god, what the... (laughs) Why would you watch those? Okay, I I streamed all the ones I could, because there was three on streaming, but like the fourth one isn't. But we did watch oh, that yeah. in the remake, which is annoying because it's like the third time I've seen the remake, and I really never thought I would say I've seen the Left Behind remake three times in my life. Well, at least you got Nick Cage in that one. The funny thing is, because of that movie, I made a new Facebook tag group that is just my weird crush on Nick Cage is not going to save me on this one. Because <laughs> that's what that movie is. Like, I can't <laughs> sit through it even with Nick Cage. <laughs> I've got a weird crush with Nick Cage. <laughs> yes. Everyone does. Oh man, yeah. So uh, the the uh, specifically the first prophecy, I remember really liking. It's been quite a while since I watched it. I actually I watched the first uh, fifteen minutes of it before uh, this morning, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll squeeze in one more movie. And then I said, you know what? I just I don't have time. And then my fucking Skype exploded, and I had to reinstall, and so I didn't get a chance to watch it. But um, for, from what I was seeing, it appeared to be very 90s uh, oh, specific, like Eric Stoltz and I'm like oh my god look at these guys See, since was... if I had red if I had ginger hair and yeah. a lot thinner um, I would I looked like Eric Stoltz back in the 90s because I had the goatee and I had the long shoulder length hair and I had the, the big black coat and everything and then the film came out and I was like whoa so this guy looks just like me. <laughs> yeah, motherfucker stole my look, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's I love this film. I, it's been, it's definitely, I remember the first time I watched it and I was like, yeah, that's all right. And then I watched it again and I was like, holy fuck, this is actually a really good film. So, yeah. you know, and I didn't have it for years. I had it on VHS a few years back and then I can't remember what happened, but basically... I went without a copy of it for years, and I can remember thinking to myself, I need a copy of The Prophecy. Have to buy a copy of The Prophecy. And it took me ages to find a copy. And when I got it, I was like, yes, I have The Prophecy. And I think it was only about two years ago when I got another copy of it on DVD. But it's every other fucker and their mums are like coming around, oh, can we borrow that? Fuck off. No. Leave my copy of The Prophecy alone. Borrow any other shit. 
but not a prophecy. So it's one of those movies that I keep close and I don't lend that to anybody. Yeah, there's a. I looked it up today because as I was playing that uh, DVD copy, copy I have, it is a really terrible quality version. So I was thinking about upgrading to the. Uh, there's a Blu-ray box set with all of them in it. I need to get. Um, I need to get it on Blu-ray actually, because I would love to have it on Blu-ray. Um, it's just getting hold of it, getting hold of a copy of it. But um, yeah. <clears throat> Right, was it? I'm looking at the trivia on this. Viggo Mortensen claims that prior to shooting the scene together, Christopher Walken, who's scary, ate several whole cloves of garlic cloves. <laughs> Fuck um, yeah, dude. Viggo Mortensen's awesome. The film was originally filmed in 1993 and released two years later in 95. This was Weinstein's demo, and as they would film a movie before editing them, re-editing them, and finally releasing them a year or two later, this film was followed by a sequel, Prophecy 2, which was originally intended by the studio to be a theatrical release and ultimately went straight to video. Oh, pardon me. Oh, God. <laughs> what just happened? What are those I sounds farted. that I just heard? I just farted again. Oh. That was a fart? Yeah. Colonel it sounded Ar- like you belched that. No, that was no, that definitely came out of my ring. Um <laughs> Colonel Arnold Hawthorne is played by Patrick McAllister. Due to the nature of his role and the long gap after It's Alive, 1974, McAllister is not credited, but appears as a special thanks for his collaboration in the movie, credited as Patrick Curley McAllister. In a bit of truly truly inspired foreshadowing, in 1993, two years before the film's release, Christopher Walken played an eerily similar role to that of his portrayal of the Archangel Gabriel in A Prophecy. In the Madonna video for the song Bad Girl from her album Erotica, Walken plays, plays the angel of death who silently follows a woman, Madonna, as she is being destroyed by her lifestyle. Though there is no speaking part, his mannerisms and look are strikingly similar to his later depiction of Gabriel, even down to his slick back hair, pale complexion and mostly black wardrobe. So basically he was goffing it up before he even got scary, motherfucker. Um, yeah, he appeared in the first three films of The Prophecy, when Gabriel meets Jerry, the camera's focus moves around Jerry's house. For a brief moment, a photo can be seen where appears Jerry with his girlfriend, although neither she nor her name are ever mentioned. The woman who appears in the photos with Adam Goldberg is Michelle Spadaro, set director of the movie. This was her only appearance in, in a film. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, that's a great pick to start us off on a religious horror journey, Shane. Uh, mm-hmm. Amy, I'm going to go to you next. Why don't you give us a uh, good a religious horror example? Or a bad one. I could be done for either. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, I mean, I could go to evangel. I did try to do black exploitation, evangelical, and like some of the bigger ones, like Rosemary's Baby, Devils. But, uh, I mean, if we were talking about Left Behind, we want to do a Thief in the Night. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Oh, are you guys familiar with that one or no? Not at all. No. Um, it's basically why Left Behind exists. Oh, um, uh, okay. Uh, the synopsis is a story. The story of Patty, a young woman caught in the living, or uh, a young woman caught up in the living for the present, with little concern for the future. She meets, marries a young man, and her life seems great until one moment she wakes to find her husband is gone. Radio reporting millions have mysteriously disappeared as dramatic earth-shaking events began to unfold around her patty realizes she's 
is living in the end times and spoken of in the Bible. Prophecy, adventure, and suspense build a thought-provoking climax in this powerfully gripping film. That last sentence is a complete and utter lie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one is... because. It seems stupid to refer to a movie like this as apocalyptic, because obviously. But it's more doom and gloom than you got in Left Behind. Because mm-hmm. they almost immediately start singing this song that has these terrifying lyrics about like how everyone's going to get raptured. And it's their fault for not repenting. And um, you should be smart and go up and how they pity you. But they're like very gleeful about people just being raptured away, and apparently it was like this. It's apparently oh, they're really, happy about it. Yeah, there's like a popular contemporary Christian song. Um, yeah. When I went to look it up because I'm like, I I need to know more about this. Um, it's apparently called "I Wish." Uh, I wish we'd all been ready, which was one of the first contemporary Christian pop hits. And I want to say it was actually in one of the Left Behinds as well, but like this is what Left Behind is based on. Oh, because um, well, that was some guy wrote all those uh, Left Behind stories, right? Yeah. Is and he's not connected to this at all. No, not because uh, it's weird. When I said evangelical horror, I meant like horror as in this is horrific for evangelicals, and this was pushed almost exclusively to that community. Right. So, um. There's estimates on this film of like somewhere in the millions of people have seen it because it was one of the few films evangelicals had access to. So you had people in very religious households being exposed to horror for the first time in this because it does like to call the left behind horror is a stretch. This uses pretty much straight up horror tropes in a religious context. It was one of the first things to do that. So parents were okay with their kids seeing this. We got a lot of church basement screenings and um, basically take like the 40 thieves four walling type thing you have in horror history and exploitation, move it into an evangelical context. And that's like the vibe I'm getting from this is from what I can gather by reading all of this. Yeah. It's um, a bunch of directors have said they were influenced by it, including the people that did left behind. Um, Actually there's a, yeah. Okay. I have a quote here. Uh, Marilyn Manson is autobiography, The Long Road of Hell. I was thoroughly terrified by the idea of the end of the world and the Antichrist. I became obsessed with it, watching movies like A Thief in the Night, which described very graphically people getting their heads cut off because they hadn't received the 666 tattoo on their head. (laughs) Yeah, because that runs through all the left behinds as well of that. um, There's a belief that you're going to have a marking on your hand or forehead. Right. And that ends up translating sometimes into that whole, like, they have this weird fear of one currency and one world governments. And mm-hmm. apparently that's why. Also, if you're not following, then you get your head cut off. Well, it's weird because, like, it is individualistic because they don't want one world government. They don't want one world currency. They still want that individuality. Right. But it's in a context of most people view religion to be very conformist that's why something like rosemary's baby being like a feminist film is so groundbreaking in that context because it's like you're looking at normal conservative traditional structures and throwing something like that into it that's so modern yes right yeah i actually watched another one that's sort of similar similar themes uh to that in rosemary's baby um 
but a little different, sort of different context they were putting it in. But being a more modern film doesn't really make that great of a leap when you're, you know, when you have something that's uh, older and more original like Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, no, definitely. So awesome. Yeah, I never even heard of this one, A Thief in the Night, huh? Yeah, I didn't find this until, like, I went digging, and now it's just, like, it's a weird rabbit hole to go down of just the sheer impact this many church basements had on film that had nothing to do with John Waters, because that's how he got his start. (laughs) Had nothing to do with John Waters. Hey, that's, it was the only place it would screen his movies, including the one about the assassination of JFK. Ugh. Um, so can you find this anywhere? Uh, yeah, we got it on Amazon. Oh, really? Yeah, I think like pretty... Oh, I'm sorry. Thief and Night, we got on Tubi. Which we, uh, okay. is oddly where you can also get Rosemary Baby. Yeah. One hour and nine minutes. Nice. Yeah. In and out. All right, cool. That's a great one. Um, so one that I had just, I just mentioned uh, sort of has a little bit of feminist themes along with more traditional... Uh, non sort of feminist ideologies is I watched the golem uh, from 2018 directed by Doran Paz and oh God, Yauv Paz. I'm going to guess that's how it's pronounced. It stars Hanny Furstenberg and it's an Israeli horror movie that features traditional Jewish lore. Uh, it takes place in 1600s in Lithuania and a small Jewish community has itself mostly been sheltered from the outside world. Um, until one day some Gentiles from a nearby village stormed the community and they got their plague masks on, which is fucking super badass. Uh, great costumes in this. And they drop like a girl who's near death at the village telling them that they're blaming this Jewish community, that they've somehow put a curse on the Gentiles. And um, if they don't cure this girl, uh, then essentially the Gentiles are going to kill them all. Um, and there's a healer woman uh, who has once seen a golem when she was a small child, uh, decides to take care of the girl because she doesn't want anything bad ha- to happen to her community. Um, meanwhile, Hannah, our main character, is trying to gain secret knowledge from the Torah and specifically the Kabbalah. And I'm not going to explain any further than that because I don't really know the intricate details of what the Kabbalah is versus the Torah. From what I understand, it's like a different way of reading into it. I don't know. Um, but specifically, uh, these things are forbidden to women at the time. So she has to have her husband sneak the book out and she has to like learn to read it and all this. Um, and the Kabbalah is said to have driven men mad. Anyone who reads it, they go nuts and it contains the true name and the letters of God, which, uh, you can use to bring a golem to life. And a golem's like this, like monster they create out of like mud and soil. Um, so after the threats from the Christians, uh, she conjures a golem, and instead of being this like big, like lumpy monster, it's a small child, and it, it sort of takes resemblance to her child uh, who had passed away before the movie had started, um, and the golem like just sort of goes nuts on a killing spree, killing everyone, Jew, Christian, doesn't matter, uh, anyone that comes you know up against the golem, he's uh, he's killing them. And the story is like a traditional Jewish folklore story. Um, it's something that they do have, uh, you know, and, and they tell their kids. And apparently, like, a lot of Jewish kids are raised with these stories to, I, I don't know, I guess scare them. <laughs> and uh, it's described as a sculpture of clay or dirt uh, brought to life by the words of God. 
uh, to protect the Jewish people. And prior to this film, well, one of the only ones that was uh, a popular version was the 1920 silent movie with the same name, The Golem. Um, the movie itself, overall, it's decent. It has some interesting characters, a nice plot, uh, good tensions that get built, and like the, you know, it, it really, really is is driving sort of um, this like feeling there, you know, like uh, what can I think of the word? The tone of the movie is like is set very purposefully. Um, while it's sort of like Hereditary, while there's a lot of bright, beautiful scenes, like it gets dark and grim. Um, the only thing I didn't like that pulled me out of the film is that it takes place in 1600s Eastern Europe and there's, everyone speaks like they're American. Like there's not <laughs> accents or I don't, it, it just sort of takes you out of it. You're like, Oh, I don't really buy this. Like you have to do something, either put it in a different language or, or, uh, you know, add some accents or something. Um, I don't know. I guess they, they, the filmmakers decided to go this route and it sort of breaks the immersion for me. Uh, another issue I had was that some of the performances were up and down. The husband, I did not like this guy at all. He was not good. Uh, I don't know who he is. I haven't seen him in anything, but he was not a great actor. Uh, the main character was pretty decent. The, um, the healer woman was really good. And you could tell that this movie takes a lot, a lot of influence from modern horror, like uh, Ari Aster or Robert Eggers, there's a lot of witch in this. Like you, you're watching this and they're in the woods and you're like, okay, this they're going for the witch. I know they are. It's really slow. It's dramatic. They're trying to make this great artistic film. And it kind of falls short in that aspect. But overall, it was still a pretty good watch. Had some good gore effects. And it had this like great underlying theme of female empowerment going sort of coming against the religious tradition as the rabbis like you can't you can't study this even the men can't do this you know and um she's the one that can bring the golem to life and uh maybe not control it but can you know sort of uh grab the reins of the thing as it's uh slaughtering everyone but um i enjoyed it i would say if anyone's interested in you know, a, a sort of different aspect of religious horror. You get sort of a Jewish take on this thing instead of the usual, you know, uh, like Shane had said, the uh, the Christian end of the world, Gabriel coming down, all the angels and archangels, and uh, or even, you know, the evangelical one that uh, Amy hinted at. A little uh, little Jewish influence is good uh, for something like this. So, anyone seen this movie? No. No, I've seen the, uh, I think it was on Netflix for a while. Or one of the streaming sites, and I kept seeing the, the the preview for it. But I actually did just watch the 1920 German version, uh, like a couple months ago. I think during October, and that's basically the same thing. But it takes place in 16th century. A rabbi creates a golem to like uh, to protect the Jews of Prague from persecution. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's a great movie. Um, but yeah, this doesn't sound terrible. So. It's not, it's not bad, but, and like I said, they're, they're trying to do sort of like, uh, a witch or hereditary type thing. Um, it, it doesn't pan out that well. There are some absolutely gorgeous shots in the movie. There's a lot of really beautiful scenes, but it kind of falls short in that aspect. I really think the accent thing is big. You, you can't just have people doing like New York accents and it's supposed to be the Europe in the Middle Ages. Like I just don't see it. Oh fuck <laughs> at the Middle Ages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh yeah. 
Although I did think it was funny that the rabbi did have like a traditional like New York rabbi accent. <laughs> hey, <laughs> oh, <my no>. God. <laughs> oh, I'm walking over here. <laughs> no, it's good though. Uh, yeah, maybe check it out if you want. Uh, don't go, don't go searching too hard for it. Uh, for some reason, I already owned it. It was sitting in. <laughs> I went over to my like religious horror section, and I'm like, "Where the fuck did this come from?" I don't know. I guess I bought it somewhere. So, what do you got, Mike? Give me one. So my first one is called "The Day of the Beast," and it was made in 1995. Um, it's directed by Alex De La Iglesia, who directed the Oxford Murders and Witching and Bitching. It was written by oh my oof, God. Jorge. Guer Ica Shevaria rolls right off the tongue. And he also yeah, wrote I, uh, Cell 211 in the Action Murders. I just looked at that name and I was like, oh, Jesus. Um, it's a dark comedy. It's a horror dark comedy. I watched it on Tubi. And on Tubi, it's got the Spanish name. It's El Dia de la Bestia. So if you do want to check it out, it's under that. Um, it stars Alex Angulo, Armando Di Raza, and Santiago Segura. So, uh, the movie opens with Angel. He's a professor of theology, very subtle, uh, confessing to another priest that he will be doing as much sinning as he can. The other shocked priest agrees to help Angel in his conquest. As they are walking away, a giant cross falls on the other shocked priest, killing him. And it's a perfect way to show that the audience that this is also a dark comedy because this happens within like the first five minutes of the movie. Um, after this, Angel goes to the city, committing as many sins as he can. He steals, takes up smoking, and even pushes a mime down some stairs. <laughs> he ends up going to a record store meeting Jose. Jose tells the priest that he is a Satanist and gives him metal recommendations. Angel, <laughs> wants, Angel wants to listen to the most evil bands he can get his hands on. Uh, Jose tells Angel that he, if he needs a place to stay, that he could stay in a hotel that his mom runs. After this, Angel tries to steal a book by a psychic TV host named Kevin. Angel believes that Kevin could help him sell his soul to Satan. So Angel, as Angel's trying to steal the book, he gets caught by uh, the bookstore security and attempts to tell the manager that he has discovered that the Antichrist will be born at midnight on Christmas Eve. Angel wants to sell his soul so he can be part of the birth and kill the antichrist. So, uh, this is pretty, you know, a pretty religious film. Uh, a lot of the, the religious horror movies that I watched recently take place like around Christmas, like the mid nineties, mid to late nineties had a lot of these, like the year 2000 will <laughs> show like the next antichrist. Um, and this is, this is, this stands out cause it's more of a comedy than anything. Uh, one of the scenes that I really enjoyed is uh, when Angel and Jose is trying to force Kevin to tell him how to complete the ritual and how Angel can sell his soul to the devil. The ritual requires some key items, and the way Angel must go about getting them is pretty hysterical in its own very dark way. Uh, the entire ritual scene made me laugh my ass off because there's like one shena shenanigan after another <laughs> that they need to like just do it, and they're doing it in such a, a terrible way. Uh, the movie's hysterical, despite the serious overtone of the Antichrist being born. They also have one of the best metal heads in a movie. And I've complained about this before, but not wow. many people know how to write a metalhead in a movie. Like, you have, like, uh, Summon the Darkness with Johnny Knoxville, where the metalheads are just 
obnoxious or they've got them um, where uh in that one stupid movie i own what the hell is it called where it's uh they summon demons uh and they're metalheads and they have like some stupid like, hand what deathgasm yeah deathgasm and they have like a handshake and they do the metal horns and i'm like shut up this is all stupid but like in this one the metalhead is like in a record store he's you know, kind of obnoxious because they have to ham it up for the movie. But he, there's like Napalm Death in the background, and there's like, I think he's wearing like a Celtic Frost shirt the entire time. <laughs> like, they actually, the writers actually did research on how to write a metalhead, and he's just, he's, he is actually like people that I know. Um, so, yeah, so this movie is hilarious. The only negative thing that's stopping me from thinking this movie's just amazing is the ending like i don't want to give it out or anything but it just it really didn't make sense to me in any way um if someone asks me i'll dig deeper into it but yeah it's 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 a great movie there's a lot of cool effects in it especially during the ritual scene and movie's hilarious uh when people die you actually laugh so it's it's a good time <laughs> have you seen any of um, Alex D'Iglesias' other films, like I've, Witching and Bitching? I've or, watched uh... Witching and Bitching once, Yeah, but I, I it was a few years back. Yeah, because he, he loves doing over-the-top, you know, comedy with, um, with creepy-ass shit happening in it. So, at Last Circus, I mean, some of his other stuff that he did, too. So, yeah, it sounds interesting. Amy, did you see this one? Uh, I'm going... I'm sorry. Yeah, what was it? The Day of the Beast. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't gotten around to this one, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, it sounds good. Shane, you ever catch any of these? Oh, haven't I? I actually think you'd enjoy it, Shane. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. You're not saying that just to trick him, are you? No, it's 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 a like a cool like you know mid '90s. There's actual like good metal in it. There's a good soundtrack to it. Uh, one of the bands in there is like this made up band called Satanica. And with the venue they play in, it's just called Hell. <laughs> it's 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 pretty good. It's on Tubi for free. So, like I said, it's it's labeled under El Dia de la Bestia. So, if you just type in Day of the Beast, it just won't show up. I just yeah. figured out where I knew the title from. It used to have release issues because Craig and I covered it like when we did the uh, stuck on VHS. So, apparently, the streaming release is new. Oh yeah, oh, cool. Yeah, I was stuck on VHS for a really long time. I'm gonna have to look into this one then, because I, I I did like uh, some of his other movies. I thought well, I did really enjoy most of Witching and Bitching, but I think it takes a turn uh, at one point and sort of loses me. But um, yeah, I could see wanting more of that. So good, good pick, Shane. You got another one you want to talk about? I do. Um, I've got Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. Son of a bitch. <laughs> because this movie fucking rules, and. No, what more can I say? It's it's just fucking awesome. That's all you got to say. All right, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight is it's just a fucking classic. It's um, basically um, William Sadler playing Breaker is on the run from somebody called the Collector, played by Billy Zane, and um, <clears throat> it's Breaker is holding a key which um, the collector is after because he needs to open, he needs to collect so many keys to 
open up all dimensions so the demons can swarm in and take over the world kind of thing. Um, but basically, William Breaker, oh, no, sorry, Breaker winds up at this hotel after a couple of failed attempts at trying to steal a car and all this kind of stuff. And he's in the hotel with um, Jada Pinkett Smith, Brenda Bucket, CCH Pounder, Dick Miller, the late great Dick, mm. Thomas Hayden Church, um, among others. And basically, it's just the film is just like the perfect blend of comedy horror because it is a Tales from the Crypt movie. Um, you're going to have your elements of comedy and horror in there. And I think this was like Jada Pinkett Smith, Smith's breakout role kind of thing. It was one of the first movies that she did. And, um, you know, she's quite good in it before she went completely mental and cheated on Will Smith or whatever it was. She was um, also in a really shitty metal band. Yes. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I was um, unfortunate enough to witness. I live. saw them live too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think she played it in Ozfest once. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she played Download in the UK. The band played Download in the UK, and basically, she ended up. She didn't scream so much as swallow the microphone. So, jeez, oh, which is yeah. ironic because most people just downloaded their music. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, basically the movie is got um, Billy Zane's character trying to persuade people to go over to his side and get this key off of Breaker, unbeknownst Breaker. But basically, in doing so, he gives these people like all promises of like whatever they wanted in life and basically turns them all into fucking demons. So, um, you know, it's basically what is in this key is the blood of Christ. So some of it, some of it. Yeah. Just some, yeah. Because obviously previous people who have held onto the key essentially become for want of a better word, immortal. Um, until they have to hand over the key to somebody else. So it just so happens that Jada Pinkett Smith is the only bloody survivor in this hotel at the end of the movie so breaker who in his dying breath hands her the key passes on the visions to her so then she has to be the person to take on the mantle of being the protector of the key and it's got a black cat in the movie as well so you can't go wrong with that <laughs> and also has probably got one of the best fucking movie soundtracks out there the intro is is oh. just Phil, That's my favorite. I love it. Phil, yeah, Phil that is so good. Shot. What a fucking tune. <laughs> um, you've also got um, Pantera, Cemetery Gates on there. You've got Sepultura, Megadeth. Um, Grave Diggers are on there as well. Um, it's got, you've just got some fucking awesome tunes on the whole album. Um, but yeah, I actually, I'm really lucky. I managed to find a copy of the Demon Knight soundtrack a few years back. And I've not been able to. I've not even seen it online since. Uh, nice. I, I picked it vinyl. I picked it up out of a fucking charity shop. Someone basically offloaded their metal collection in a charity shop, and I went through, and I was like, "Holy fuck!" There's a Demon Knight soundtrack. I'm having that, and basically forgot about everything else, and just picked up that CD. 
So I think it was worth it just for that. <laughs> but, they just no. uh, released it on vinyl. Oh, you fucking <laughs> It's in uh, the the version I'm looking at is in green demon eye. That's the color. Ooh, it's sick looking. Oh man! Hey, that'd be a great Christmas present. You know? <laughs> it cost me more to ship it to you than it would be. Yeah. Me if to anyone buy wants to buy Shane a Christmas present, yeah, I'll have the demon Knight soundtrack vinyl, please. You'll get you it know? in six months. <laughs> yeah, probably. But you know, hey, it'll be a nice surprise. <laughs> but um. John Cassier, who does the voice of the Crypt Keeper, I have an interesting story to tell you about this. I actually met him, um, unbeknownst to me, because I had no idea what John Cassier looked like. And I was at a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan convention a few years back. And I was chatting to his then wife, Julie Benz. Ooh. And basically what was going on, was he was actually milling around as well because he'd actually joined her on this like press tour kind of thing on this thing and i was stood there with my friend kez minding our own business chatting to a couple of other people and i heard somebody do the crypt keeper laugh and i stopped dead in my tracks and i was like holy fuck that someone's just done the crypt keeper and i have to find out who that is because that was really authentic it sounded really good. <laughs> yeah, because I thought there's no no one could do the Crypt Keeper voice like John Cassette. And then I turned around and looked, and there was this American guy, and he was like chatting, and then he was just he just started reeling off lines like the Crypt Keeper, and I was like, "Oh my fucking god, <laughs> it's the Crypt Keeper himself!" You know, and I completely geeked out. Kes was like, "What are you so excited about?" I went, and I was like all flaily limbs and shit. I went, that's the fucking guy who does the voice of the Crypt Keeper on Tales from the Crypt. She was like, oh, God. And then we, I walked over and started chatting to him, and he was talking, and he was really cool. And then we were talking about horror movies, and we were talking about the Horror Channel, which was really big in the States at the time, but we hadn't had it in the UK as yet. So this is how long ago it was. And... Um, it was really cool because he was he was just like, oh, yeah, we do this and we do that. And then he was telling me about the third Demon Knight movie in that trilogy, which was originally supposed to be called Fat Tuesday. Oh, the ritual? Yeah, which became the ritual. But he was saying that he'd done the voice work for it and he'd been paid for it, but the movie hadn't been released. And he said he'd yeah. done it like a year beforehand. And I was like... Holy fucking shit! I've just been speaking to the crypt keeper. I'm just going to go <laughs> in the corner and die. <laughs> so um, a lot of people didn't realise that I was I'd spoken to the crypt keeper, and he actually signed my book. That's so cool. Yeah, and he... yeah, I, I met him once actually. He he spent 15 minutes uh, hitting on my ex. <laughs> Might have been around the time when he broke up with Julie Benz. Yeah, I don't know. Val and I met uh, uh, Billy Zane at a horror convention nice. like a year or two ago. I think it was probably about two years ago. What and uh, Oh, yeah. So Val has had a crush on Billy Zane forever. She introduced me to Deadcom. She's like, you need to watch Deadcom. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> uh, you know, all these people are in it. And she's like, no, Billy Zane. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> she loves Billy Zane. And I have a picture of Val that uh, – so we both talked to Billy Zane. He's a really nice guy. Val, of course, got Kingdom Hearts signed. 
And um, nerd. Yeah, so I had this picture <laughs> with Val. I took a couple, and there's one of like them, you know, like he put his arm around her and stuff. And then I took one last picture while they were walking away from each other. And as Billy Zane is walking away, not looking at Val, still smiling, Val turns to him and like this longing, like she has this longing look on her face. Like she wants to like kiss this guy. It's the funniest <laughs> thing like in the world. And I just, we were in tears. I'm like, Val, I'm like, looks like you're, you want to like marry him. And she goes, oh my God, I just met Billy Zane. But he was a really cool guy. You know what you need to do, Mike? You need to post those pictures up in the audio media blood podcast. <laughs> yeah, I got to get it from Val. I know she's bad. <laughs> you got to post them, man. I think we should do that. We should get like post up photos from cons we've been to. I've just got yeah, that. that'd be cool. Yeah, I think we should do that in the in the podcast group. So if you if you do actually listen to the podcast, um, someone should start a thread and put up their con photos from where they've met actors and stuff. That'd be really awesome. Yeah, most of mine will just be me fawning over Tom Atkins. Oh yeah, well that's standard for you. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I hear about Tom Atkins, all I can think of is that tweet of just play Halloween three, you coward. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Bob Briggs will not play it. I think we need to get Mike uh, Mike to finally meet his hero, um, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. I would blow either of them. Nice. <laughs> Did you see Mike's? But I only say that because I just I saw this. Uh, I forgot if it was a tweet or something from Arnold. So he got the new iPhone 12, <laughs> the one that has like four or five cameras on the back, mm-hmm. and he got his the the fucking phone cover he uses is him from Commando <laughs> holding up the rocket launcher. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. I'm like, all right, I completely approve of this. <laughs> He's just such a fucking cool dude, though. He's so funny, and he's really witty and down to earth. Yeah, he has a Reddit account. He res- he's on Reddit all the time. Is he really? Yeah, yeah he's cool. great. Oh yeah, he'll. What's weird too is he'll respond to just random things. Like someone's like, "Oh my god, Arnold just responded to me." Like it has nothing to do with <laughs> him or any other topic. He's just like going around Reddit browsing. That's really funny. All right, well, let me get back to Demon Knight for half a second here, Shane. Yeah, go on. Just as I, I got a couple notes because I also watched this because I love this movie. Um, the director, Ernest R. Dickin, uh, Dickerson, also directed my favorite ice tea outing, Surviving the Game, which if, if you haven't seen Surviving the Game, it is fucking awesome. It's sort of a remake of The Deadliest Game, but starring Ice-T, and um, oh, it's, it's perfection. It's part of my childhood that I cherish. Uh, he also directed Bulletproof, with Damon Waynes and Adam Sandler. Wow. Oh, <laughs> and Bones with Snoop Dogg. What? So. Oh, God, I watched that film, Bones. Oh, yeah. Fucking awful. Varied career this guy has. Um, Demon Knight probably being my favorite, though. Uh, I love the gore effects in it. Yeah. Um, you gotta love, like, especially... Um, Sort of the first possession that happens amongst the uh, the people that are trapped in the house, uh, the Cordelia one. Uh, it, it's it's like it's half demons and half Evil Dead too, because yeah. it's just bonkers as soon as it happens. And I love that you you could sort of pick up those influences on it, and uh, specifically Uncle Willie's 
offer that he gets where it's literally just a thousand porn stars standing around topless (laughs) and get feeding him booze. I I thought to myself, I'm like, I bet the only reason they made this movie was to get Dick Miller in this room (laughs) and they wanted to shoot it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, a great movie. I love it. Awesome pick. Uh, Amy, you got something else to bring us into the religious horror. Uh, see here um i did abby and drag me to hell are the other ones i could probably talk about aside from like rosemary's baby or exorcist but i'm gonna assume one of you other guys want that no i'm not taking either of those (laughs) i got much i got what much worse movies to talk about so i can't think of anything else that i would talk about to be quite honest with you so whatever you want are dozens of fans to hear about amy (laughs) I'm just gonna go with Abby then, because this is the only black exploitation religious horror yes, movie I could really I find. Yes, I love black exploitation. Well, Abby often gets referred to as the black exploitation exorcist, so like she has her own little special place there. Mm-hmm. Um, in true like Grindhouse fashion, though, there's like almost no explanation on how half of this stuff happens. Basically, they unearth a statue of a shoe, a shoe, I believe is how it's pronounced because it changed throughout the film. <laughs> and somehow, some way, this causes a woman in America to get possessed. So she goes, like, hypersexual, like Linda Blair's character in The Exorcist, or um, I-, I brought it up earlier, uh, Ken Russell's The Devils, because, like, that's what happens with the nuns, and they have to cut the whole nun orgy scene because of it. Right. But um, so we have that over-sexualization of women the second they get possessed because she's this good, God-fearing church woman. She's married to a minister, sings in the choir, and she couldn't possibly be possessed by anything. And all she's really doing most of the time is throwing people around, moving her tongue around, like, in a really weird, like, it's not seductive, but it looks like you could think it might be. Like, the person doing it thinks it's alluring, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just they keep doing like this foaming thing with her mouth too it's just like it she looks like a rabid dog half the time I was just like why, why did you do this and make her hypersexual but I guess they did the same thing with Linda Blair and most people do not find you know 12 year olds bleeding from the vagina at all alluring so they're lost <laughs> oh come on Mike. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> damn okay <laughs> Um, basically what happens is they're able to get the demon out of her and she's totally fine because you know that's how this always ends because you know i just blew an ending to a movie from 1974 for everyone yeah but yeah no it's it's your standard kind of possession movie it's just done in a slightly different way with slightly different deities and um obviously since the black exploitation there's a little bit of racial coding there um i pointed out like abby's behavior is a little bit more feral than we see from like everyone else and she gets a way higher body count in terms of sex than anyone else in terms of sex wait it does the does the sex kill them or no no she's saying... just running around like going after everyone and then like oh, okay she, she is like there, it is that very fine line with her between like i'm gonna be flirting with you now i'm gonna be throwing you across the room like yeah we've seen that so many times before with possession movies it's just you know how women are so in the world of uh, black exploitation, um, I guess you'd call it uh, <laughs> religious movies. How does this compare to Petey Wheatstraw? Wait, what? 
Have you seen Petey Wheatstraw, the devil's son-in-law? No. <laughs> what? I... Oh my god. Oh my god. Shit, I should have yes, taken this a live I... shouldn't I have? Damn it. I should have fucking covered this. I just thought of it because you said black exploitation. I'm like, oh my god, I should have done Petey Wheatstraw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a black exploitation movie starring Rudy Ray Moore, and it Man. is it's insane. If you've ever seen a Dolomite movie or you know any, any of Rudy Ray Moore's movies, it's exact. It's one of those. Just watch the trailer. Watch the yep. trailer for Petey Wheatstraw. That's all you need to see. That's it. It's uh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> here's the here's the tagline. After being murdered by his rivals, Petey Wheatstraw is resurrected in exchange for marrying the devil's daughter, the world's ugliest woman. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the plot. <laughs> and he's got a um his pimp cane. His pimp cane is magically powered. That's awesome. So yeah, I haven't seen Abby though. Um, it, it it sounds like it takes itself like a little more seriously than some of the other uh, sort of black exploitation no. movies you get. Not even a little bit. No. Yeah. Like, oh, good. <laughs> there's a lot of subtext in there, but it's it's one of those things. It's like everything's so over exaggerated and reads very caricature ish. Yeah. Yeah. Like... All right, I'm gonna do one real quick. Uh, I can't believe I watched this again because it was fucking dumb. Uh, I watched. <laughs> From 2007, The Omen remake. Wow. All for you. <laughs> I literally went to my DVD shelf, and I saw both of them sitting there, and I go, ah, I've seen the original, like, ten times. I'm going to watch the remake again this time. What the fuck was I thinking? Um, directed by John Moore, who also directed Max Payne. Ugh. And uh, A Good Day to Die Hard, which I think is the fifth one, maybe? Um, starring Liv Shriver uh, from the Scream films, the worst Wolverine film, Ray Donovan. <laughs> uh, Ju- Julia Stiles from the Bourne movies and nothing else I really liked. And also has Mia Farrow from Rosemary's Baby, uh, which is probably the only interesting casting part that they did because it's like, oh, she gave birth to the devil's son, you know, in one movie, and now she's the nanny of the devil's son. So it's like, nice little, nice little hint there. Uh, and it's got uh, David Thewlis from uh, the Harry Potters and Wonder Woman. So, if you don't know the Omen story, um, this kid is the son of Satan, um, and the parents or the people around him have to make the decision of whether they kill their own, the, the child or let him destroy the earth. Um, this one's a 100% remake, and it may be one of the most unnecessary remakes I've ever seen. I'm sorry. Like, it, it adds nothing other than some CGI deaths. Like, it, it just, there's not really any other reason to watch this movie, which I wish I didn't watch it. I, I wish I watched the original again, but, um. I don't know. Some of the religious aspects of the film and story are still interesting. You know, the whole son of Satan thing, the signs of the apocalypse that they sort of follow some of the, um, uh, the, the, the revelation stuff in the Bible from the book of revelations. Um, the fact that the coming doom is going to be more like a political and man created thing. Like it's not just like demons from hell, like, you know, blowing the place up. It's more like, He's going to sow insurrection into the populace and cause man to turn against man. Like, that's kind of an interesting idea. It's not 
as Hollywood flashy, but it's like, um, I don't know. I, I, I think that part of it is kind of the only interesting part of, uh, the whole Damien thing, but yeah, the remake sucks. Don't watch it. Just watch the original. And that's, uh, that's all I got to say about that. It's funny. Cause, uh, I got a kind of a funny story about this. I was in high school. I think I was just about to graduate high school. I was 18. And this was, this blew up because it was coming out. It came out on June 6th of 2006. Like, six six six, baby. Yeah, it, it, it was on the the, the uh, cover art and everything, and my local theater was showing it, obviously. So I went with my buddy Luke and my ex girlfriend, and we got there, and tickets were sold out, like completely. And we're like, "Fuck!" And I was like, "Do you want to go?" And my my buddy Luke was like, "No, well, let's just stay here for a little bit." I'm like, all right. So we're sitting, we're standing outside, and a dude walks by. And he's like, I've got three tickets for sale for The Omen. And my buddy bought them. I think he had to pay, like, at the time, like, 20 bucks a ticket. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, because the guy wanted more money for him, obviously. So Luke did. You got scalped (laughs) at a movie theater? (laughs) Absolutely. What the fuck? So Luke bought them, and we still joke to this day, where, like, the devil wanted us to see The Omen. Because that was like a sign from the devil that we needed to watch it. Because soon as we sat down to like wait, the guy comes like right up to us. You got three tickets for sale, and <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, that's my story of how I saw the Omen. For so what? Did, what did you? What do you think of the remake versus the original? I don't. I mean, I think okay, I'm gonna get some flack, but I think the original's a little. Uh, it's good, but it's way too long. Uh, I'm kind of with you on that. I understand it's a little scary. boring. Yeah, it's about like twenty minutes too long. Well, and while I, you know, Margot Kidder is in her, and it's just like it's a good flick, but way too long. And this, I I've seen a couple times, and you know, it's like why watch this? The 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 novelty of it coming out on six 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 that was fun, I guess. But like, why else would you watch it? Shane, you've probably seen this and the original. What are your I've thoughts? Seen the original, I had the misfortune of seeing the remake, and yeah. I thought the remake of it was pretty fucking dire. Um, I couldn't believe I actually sat through it, you know, what I caught of it. I think I missed about 20 minutes of it, and I'm sitting there thinking, what the fuck is this? And then it dawned on me that it was the Omen remake, and I was like, oh, Christ, I'll start. I've started, so I might as well finish it. Uh, probably. <laughs> it's not even labeled as a horror movie on IMDb. It's an action-adventure oh, really? fantasy. Like, it's a horror <laughs> I mean, come on! A couple people's heads get cut off and stuff. You got some action in there. Uh, it was just dull as fuck. What, what What do you think, Amy? Yeah, no, I I saw it. I think pretty soon after it came out, I might actually have it in my collection. I don't know, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but you know, I agree. The first Omen is a little draggy. It, it does get slow paced at some places. I don't remember this being an improvement. I don't remember hating the remake, but I don't remember liking it either, which is weird because I also love Julia Stiles, so I would imagine. Oh, really? Yeah, I actually Ugh. do. <laughs> My weird crush on I Julia Stiles in this movie. <laughs> she adds nothing to this movie, I gotta say. I, I, liked, I liked Liv Shriver in it. He, he was good. Um, I thought he did a, uh, a pretty good job, you know, as the. Uh, the ambassador, the father, whatever. Um, and uh, David Thewlis is always good. I think he's a great character actor. He adds a lot of stuff to it. But no, the I felt the same way. Like, I remember being like, I remember watching this and not hating it. Like, I thought it was fine. It didn't, you know, offend me in any way. And then I watched it again, and I'm like, it, it just left me with the feeling of why did I watch this? 
like I could have been doing something else with my time, and I watched this instead. Yeah, but that's that basically describes. Yeah, that's most of my life. (laughs) So, um, uh, what do you got, Mike? Well, my second movie, I unfortunately rented the movie off YouTube called Bless the Child. It came out in two thousand. It was directed by Chuck Russell, who did Nightmare on Elm Street three. He did the Blob remake. He did the Mask. He did Eraser. He did the Scorpion King. As his uh, Ooh, career went on, this movie's got terrible. <laughs> um, so yeah, so if you go to JustWatch.com and you see that this movie says it's on, or that site says this movie is on Tubi, don't believe it because it's not. And I was very upset, so I had to pay three dollars on YouTube just to rent it because um, I couldn't find a torrent. So there's that. Uh, it stars Kim Basinger. Bassinger. Oh, I know this movie. Okay. Jimmy Smith's Rufus Sewell. Sewell. And Angela Bettis. Bettis. Oh, Angela Bettis. I love Angela Bettis. And there's small roles by Ian Holm and Christina Ricci that neither of them should have been in it. Um, I was asking about Ricci, yeah. Yeah, I'll get to that because she's in it for like five minutes. Um, So the plot is uh, about Maggie O'Connor, who's Kim... Basinger? Passenger? As if she's a, <laughs> I'm just going to let it. <laughs> she's like a psychiatric nurse. Uh, the movie opens with her on a bus while a random stranger tells her plot information about the star of Bethlehem being observed for the first time in 2,000 years. Like, So I took the train every day to work. If some woman started talking to me about a star, I'd be like, you, I'm going to put my headphones back in because you are providing me with no information right now. And Kim Basinger, or whatever, she's like, like listening to this woman, this woman's like, yeah, it's like the first time in 2000 years. It's the, you know, this, the star of Bethlehem's come and Kim's like, cool. And so she's just reading a newspaper and this woman just gives like all this like plot info dump. Uh, later on, a woman in the shadows is holding a baby up to Maggie's door. It's Angela Bettis or Betis or whatever. And she's holding a baby. And it turns out to be Maggie, Maggie's sister, Jenna. Uh, Jenna is a junkie and ends up dropping the baby off, whose name was Cody, off at Maggie's house and just disappears. So this all takes place before Christmas and Maggie ends up taking care of the child. So due due to the drugged out mom, the baby is diagnosed with autism and Maggie signs Cody up for a Catholic special needs school. As Cody gets older, she exhibits telekinetic abilities and starts moving things with her mind. So around the same time, a group of people are abducting children and then killing them. An FBI agent named John Travis, who's played by Jimmy Smith, is brought in to help the cops try to track down the murderers. <laughs> Sorry, I need to get that out. So the, this FBI agent used to be a seminary student and his interest in homicides of the occult. All the victims have symbols engraved on their arm. Uh, one day Maggie comes home with Cody, now six years old, to find Jenna and her new husband, Eric Stark, played by Rufus Sewell, or Sewell. Um <laughs> Yeah, Jenna and her new husband want Cody back in their lives. Eric is a self-help guru and has a devout group of followers around him at all times. They end up kidnapping Cody, and when Maggie goes to the police, she speaks to Travis, who realizes that Cody is the same age as the rest of the kids that were abducted and killed. He concludes that the group wants to find a special child before Easter Eve to complete a black mass. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, ooh. So, um, this is... A very mediocre movie. Uh, Ian Holm is in it for about two minutes. He gives some. He's in a wheelchair. Doesn't even need to stand up for this role, and he just gives some info, plot information. Uh, 
so Christina Ricci, well, I'll get to that. So one of the scene highlights, and I really want to stress this enough. So Kim Basinger is ended up being drugged, and she wakes up just driving the opposite side down a bridge in New York. And all these cars oh. are, like, dodging her, and she ends up crashing on the side of the bridge. And her car is hanging, hanging off the edge of the bridge. I literally laughed out loud at this. So her car is dangling over the water, and she's frozen with fear until Jesus in a denim shirt comes, and he rescues her. He says, take my hand. Maggie gets out, and the person disappears. But it's totally <laughs> Jesus. And he's wearing a denim shirt, and he's got his hair tied back, all 2000s-like. I'm like, dude, that was Jesus. Right on the nose. Huh? Right on the nose, man. So this movie's not atrocious by any means. It's just very mediocre. And there's some good characters, like Eric Stark. Uh, Rufus Sewell, or Sewell, he was in Dark City. He's, he's great Sewell. in it. What? Sewell. Sewell? Sewell. Rufus Sewell. That's his name. Seville? Sewell. I don't know what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) This is crazy to me. I feel like you're speaking a different language. Sewell. Yeah, S-E-W-E-L-L. Sewell. 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 I'm just going to call him Rufus. So there's some good characters. Yeah, Rufus. There you go. So there's some good character in this, like Rufus. Cody, she's like for a child actor. She does a really good job. And Jimmy Smith is always fun. He was in Dexter, and he, he plays a good character. Um, but the negatives. Man, this dialogue. So it goes for more of an edgy approach than anything. Many of the antagonists like just mock God the whole time while looking up at the sky. You know, it's, It reminds me of The Devil's Advocate, where for no reason at all, Keanu's like, sister is striking the Jesus pose, and she goes, guess who I am? I'm like, why is this a thing? Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> it's very cringy. Um Except take that one scene of Devil's Advocate and apply it to the rest of this movie. Um, This works both ways, though, because the religious aspect of it is laid on way too thick. I'm a Christian. And, like, this whole movie, I was, like, rolling my eyes at. Kim Basinger is a non-believer throughout the whole thing until the very end. The little girl, Cody, performs various miracles. And you get, like, slow motion and sappy music like a Hallmark movie. Like, she hugs this cancer patient. And, like, this... uh, the uh, the visuals slow down and there's like dun 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 and like the you could tell the cancer patient just realized that she doesn't have cancer anymore i'm like really the movie yeah, the, oh my, the, my cancer's gone yeah like this entire movie is super lame and some parts will make you want to roll your eyes and so christina ricci's character in this she's in it i swear to god for like five minutes she first meets Kim Basinger in a hospital, and she's got, like, track marks on. She's a drug addict. She used to be in this, like, cult that Rufus runs. And she's like, hey, I know your sister. And Kim's like, cool, stay here. I'm, I'll be right back. And she leaves. And then so, Chris, so Christina Ricci comes back in the movie, and she's like, hey, meet me at this restaurant. So Kim meets her there, and then Christina gives her all this plot information, all this info dump, and then she gets beaten and killed in a... Uh, like uh, the subway, and Kim finds her just with her head cut off. She dies like five minutes later. And I was like, why is she even in this? So she's in it for a very small amount of time. <sighs> if you want to see Jesus in a denim shirt, go watch it. That's all I got to say. Oh, that sounds like a good selling point. 
I thought because I like these kinds of movies, and I was like, cool, it sounds cool. Like Kim Basinger, you know, like two thousands Kim Basinger is still like pretty good looking, and I'm like, oh, I'm on it. And no, it was it was bad. Damn. So I want my, when I, I, want I, my three I just looked this up. I thought the uh, I looked at this poster and I thought it was the one where uh, Robert De Niro um, is like looking after some like I think it's another Satan kid. What the hell's the name of that movie? Oh, is this uh, the like uh, the uh, like Sixth Sense one? No, it's it's uh, shit. De Niro. Oh, what the fuck's the name of that movie? Uh, I can't remember now. It's not it's not hide and seek, is it? No. No, no, that's that's De Niro and Al Pacino. Uh, Pacino's in that, isn't he? No, hide and seek's about like De Niro being the ghost the whole time, just like in Sixth Sense. Spoiler. Oh no! <laughs> Came out in, like two thousand. What the fuck was this? The movie I'm thinking of. God said, "Is that it?" No. Frankenstein. Or De Niro plays the monster. <laughs> uh yeah, that was it. <laughs> No. <laughs> Why can't I fucking find it? Holy shit. It's some movie where like it, it looks similar to the cover of this and it's about a little kid. Eli? And for some re- for some reason I mixed the two in my head. I don't know. Uh I'm not even seeing it on here. What the fuck? You're failing me, IMDB. Well, I'm giving up in uh embarrassment. <laughs> cool. I'll analyze this. That's what it was. What? No. <laughs> For a second, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. Meet the fuckers. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, cool. Um, Anyone got anything else they want to discuss in this religious horror episode? I, mean, I got one more, but if no one else is. I got another one, too. <laughs> no, I have one that I... I, just, I... I'm concerned to do it because I don't know if people will believe me that it exists, so... Yes, let's hear it. <laughs> Uh, this would be the life zone. It uh, fits into. It seems to be the most recent entry into that evangelical horror thing I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the only way I can think to explain it is: imagine two people were having a, a debate about abortion. Neither of them understood the topic and could just spew talking points, and that's it. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like, there were points in this movie where, like, I can't even tell what side of the debate this person is on because they're literally just spewing vague talking points that don't necessarily connect. But, wow. Uh, the plot is... one, one point nine on IMDb. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Three pregnant women are kidnapped by a mysterious figure and imprisons them in an abortion... Or in an abandoned hospital. Sorry. Um, <laughs> the director said about his own movie... The clear message I'm sending as a filmmaker is that abortion is evil. <laughs> uh, he is also a lawyer, former judge, and an author of legal books and novels, which is funny because they actually misuse some legal terminology a little later. Um, generally <laughs> speaking, filmmakers, executives, and actors hold very liberal viewpoints of this view, and it is a topic that is of interest to them, but I don't care what Hollywood thinks. Good Lord. Jesus. uh, I'm just I'm looking at this one review on IMDb and the last line nailed it. It says, congratulations, you've replaced Roller Gator as the worst movie I've seen. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, this one was rough. Like, both Blood Husband and I had to like pause at a couple of points and just walk away because like I can't believe what I'm seeing is happening is happening <laughs> because it's just all oh, yeah. very like you guys know I can do schlock. But oh well, obviously this was to a degree that like it was hard for me because it was just so monotone and so like no, it's my body, my choice. Oh no, you can't kill a fetus. It, it, like no one had any actual emotion tied to any of it. Robert Logia is in this. Yep, I'm pretty sure that. Oh my god! If it's the person I think it is, he just randomly shows up on a TV monitor wow. and yells at them. And then when they try oh, and okay. talk to him, he just yells at them more to not talk to him. While, uh, like, their female doctor is, like, listen to him. Because it was also very, like, women should be subservient, which is, of course, going to go over well every time. Mm-hmm. There's a point where, like, if it's a guy I'm thinking of, he's like, pregnant women, always eating, never thinking. It's like, what? Oh, God. <laughs> like, I think what I Oh, my God, him, Mike. Tom Waits is in this. Really? Yes. Good lord. <laughs> oh no. Tom, what'd you do? <laughs> wow. Before we this I was gonna say before we carry on, I've got uh, a few films suggested for this podcast that um my friends uh Keith and Rob suggested. Uh, yeah, let's hear them. Keith said The Exorcist, obviously, that's a very good um, starting point. He also said Exorcism of Emily Rose. Um, he mentioned Antichrist. Oh, man. I was going to yeah. say, we, I know we joked about Antichrist, but I'm like, well, I, I can't remember religious themes in that movie, honestly. I mean, there are some, but it's it's more about, like, loss yeah. and, um, and Willem Dafoe's penis, I think. That, that, that was movie gave my... Blood, but yeah. That movie, that scene gave my ex-girlfriend, like, nightmares. And I would always, like, repeat to her just to freak out. I'd be like, chaos reigns. Like, a deer says that in one of the hallucinations. It would yeah. freak her out. I'm like, remember Willem Dafoe's uh, bloody dick just jerks off blood? And she's like, stop! <laughs> Never let her watch Taxidermia. Yeah. yeah. Or, uh, um, he also, uh, necromantic. Yeah, he also mentioned Martyrs, the original version, the French one. Okay, a uh, little bit. That's yeah, stretch. And, um, Constantine. Sure. Um, my buddy Rob. Um, see, because they didn't, they didn't mention this on the Facebook or anything like that. They mentioned it on their WhatsApp because we were chatting to them on WhatsApp earlier. Um, he suggested the Omen and Devil's Advocate. He also suggested um, a series, American Horror Story. Um, he thought the story in Asylum was quite religious, had religious. Yeah, to it. but I, I could see that. I said that you could mention any season of American Horror Story because all of them have religious themes. That's kind of how it is with the exorcism movies. Like I kind of try to stay away from exorcist movies because I feel like, or exorcism movies because I feel like it's kind of like a not like a you know. You can name any exorcism movie as a religious right. movie. Right, it's like guaranteed. Yeah, yeah that's, I didn't really go for any of those either myself. And um, although it's not really horror, he did suggest Passion of the Christ because it does have horrific moments. <laughs> okay. There you uh, go. Yeah, I've already gone with Passion of the Christ too. Cru crucify this. You know. Electric Boogaloo. 
Yeah. Nobody mentioned nobody mentioned Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Wow. That's another musical horror. There's also Jesus Christ serial rapist, but let's not do Bell's Pop. We don't have to. So. <laughs> God, here, oh my God. Uh, my so grandmother deep. bought me Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter for Christmas once. I don't know if she thought I would enjoy it, but I did. She probably gave it to you as like a gag gift. You're like, thank you. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a movie about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, there's some good ones. So, one other movie I did want to talk about, because I forced myself to sit through it. Um, 2010's Legion, directed by Scott Stewart, who also directed Dark Skies, uh, stars, stars Paul Bettany as the Archangel Michael, uh, Lucas Black from oh, the Fast God. and Furious movies, uh, specifically the Tokyo Drift one, and Tyrese Gibson, also Fast and Furious, Charles S. Dutton, character actor, he's in a million things, and Dennis Quaid, the best Quaid. Um, this is. It's, I thought the. Quaid, you mean? What's that? The non crazy Quaid. Yeah, right. Well, the Ooh. least crazy Quaid. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a group of people are stuck in a desert rest stop uh, fighting off the armies of heaven who are set on ridding the world of humans and ending mankind. Um, the Archangel Michael has joined the group to fend off um, the end of the world by saving this prego woman's unborn baby. Um, I mean, so the one thing I did like about this movie is that I kind of liked that they are technically more biblically, biblically, that's a hard word, technically more biblically accurate in that it's the will of God and the angels who are doing the destroying and not like a demon or some Satan's trying to end the world. Like, it's like, no, this is, God is doing this. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds exactly like the Bible. Um, so in like a strange way, it's it's more accurate in a sense. And I kind of like that they sort of went that route. Um, and the movie's not great. There's some good parts in it uh, as a whole. It doesn't really come together. I found that I have a, a strong distaste for Lewis Black. Lucas Black, not Lewis Black. Lewis Black. Black. <laughs> Get out of here. He's just in the background yelling I... the whole time. <laughs> God, he's angels. They're killing me. <laughs> um, no, Lucas Black, I don't like this kid. I find him annoying, and I want to punch him in the face. Um, but he would definitely kick my ass, because I've seen that Fast and Furious movie, and he's shirtless and ripped. And he um, drifts in Tokyo. That's true. He's an excellent drifter. And at the end, he gets that Mustang and puts a Supra engine in it, I think. It's been a long time. Yeah. Very impressive. <laughs> so, uh, the movie itself, I I didn't hate it, but I didn't really like it either. It's kind of one of those nonsense movies that if you were to catch it on the Sci-Fi Channel on a Saturday afternoon, it's raining out, it's 2 p.m., and you're like, all right, I guess I'll just watch this for now. Um, you wouldn't be too upset with yourself, but in any other circumstances, do something else. So I saw this. In that's theaters. all I got. Did you? Yeah. Oof. Because I liked you know, biblical movies back then too, and wow, that was a disappointment. <laughs> I don't. That's like the first and last time I saw it. I'm like, yikes. Same. Yeah. It. it I don't know. I guess I could say it was disappointing in that, like, I was hoping cooler things would happen. But at the same time, all the outrageous stuff was, like, the worst parts of the movie. 
The only thing I did like was they had that one guy who was being crucified upside down, and he, like, he, his, his boils all over his body were, like, pulsating, and, like, the woman tried to go after him, and he just popped like a balloon. <laughs> so I thought that was good. That's about it. Oh, uh, what else? Uh, Mike, you said you had another one, right? Correct. All right, what do you got? So it's been a while, so I figured I'd revisit the end of days with oh my god with yes. my boyfriend with my with my main B with my bay Arnold Schwarzenegger oh shit <laughs> yeah man it's legit <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so this is the end of days I tore into this because I couldn't find it anywhere and I'm not buying it so the director is Peter Hyams who's done 2010 the year we made contact he did Time Cop uh, he's done Outland uh, exactly. He wrote, uh, it's written by Andrew W. Marlowe, who did Hollow Man and Air Force One. Uh, this is more of an action movie with strong horror elements to it. It stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Gabriel Byrne, Robin Tunney, Tooney, Tunney, and Ke- Kevin Pollack, because why not? So, in 1979, a priest at the Vatican sees a comet and insists that the birth of the Antichrist is coming. The Pope tells the priest to track down and protect the girl from Satan. The Pope is played by that guy that you see in every movie, and he was in Breaking Bad. He was the dude in the wheelchair with the the, the bell. Oh, yeah. He was also in Christmas Evil. I was watching that the other day. I'm like, what is going on? No, he's not. Is he? He's one of the dudes that comes out of that party and drags uh, Harry into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of those guys. I'm like, what is going on here? It blew my mind. So anyway, um, uh... Yeah, the Pope tells the priest to track down and protect the girl from Satan. Um, a subgroup in the Vatican called the Vatican Knights thinks uh, the girl must die to truly protect the world from Satan's child. Uh, a baby is born in New York City, named, and her name is Kristen York, and has the mark of the Chosen One. Uh, the doctor brings the baby into another room, and a ritual is performed on the baby by Udo Kier, another doctor. Uh, Flash forward 20 years, and Christine's now 20 years old, and her new mother is now one of the doctors that delivered her and took her to the ritual as a baby. They don't mention a lot of it. They just said, like, the mother, the original mother died, and the doctor fell in love with her dad, and so that's a thing now. So uh, Satan comes out of a sewer and possesses a man in a restaurant, played by Gabriel Byrne, who's awesome in this. He's a great Satan. Um, He touches a woman's titty, makes out with her, and leaves the restaurant, and he blows it up behind him. Don't know why, but it was cool. Uh, <laughs> a former police officer whose name is Jericho Kane. And it's played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's an alcoholic and depressed since his wife and daughter were killed by a group of contract killers. He works for a security company and is a strong atheist since his family died. His co-worker, Bobby Chicago, played by Kevin Pollack, and Jericho are assigned to protect Gabriel Byrne, not knowing he's Satan. A chase ensues as a former priest tries to kill Satan, because he knows. After the chase and ultimate hospitalization of the former priest, Jericho and Bobby decide to search out his hobo den. So while walking down the street, they hear a woman getting beaten up. It turns out the Vatican Knights found a now 20-year-old Christine and are trying to kill her before Satan can use her as a vessel for his child. Jericho and Bobby fight off the Knights and now must protect the girl at all costs, even without knowing Satan's true intentions. So, this is not 80 Schwarzenegger. His muscles aren't as big. You know, he's he's getting a little, a little sad, but he's still Schwarzenegger, you know? 
He doesn't have any shirtless shots in here. I was a little disappointed. The, the most important part is the stubble, I feel like, is a the very stubble, big part of the Schwarzenegger. That, that bicep vein that's bigger than my forearm, it's still there. He's still they don't they don't show him without a shirt on, you know, he's kinda he's got some layers. It's whatever. He he did his dues. You know. So uh one of the, the the best scenes in the movie is it's so over the top. This like I said, this is an action movie first and foremost. Um so one of the highlights for me was there's a train sequence. So Arnold keeps beating the shit out of Satan. Like, he keeps, like, beating the Christ out of him. So Satan, I guess literally. So Satan has limitations due to his human body, and Arnold keeps trying to blow him up for, like, various ways. So throughout the movie, Gabriel Byrne's body keeps becoming more and more beat up. During the train sequence, they run over Satan on the tracks. They shoot his arms. He's trying to get into the train car to span the train cars. And when Satan attempts to jump over, Arnold shoots him with a grenade, blowing him up in the midair. It's ridiculous and awesome. <laughs> and they do like a, not a slow motion shot, but they like track the grenade as it's going to Satan. And <laughs> he just explodes. Um, you know, like I said, positives. Arnold isn't 80s Arnold in this, but he makes he makes this movie fun. Like I wouldn't watch this without Arnold in it. Um, so the writing is kind of hit or miss. It's not as exaggerated as Bless the Child. But there is a church chant that is constantly being reused throughout the movie. It's the same two to three second sound bite whenever a character realizes something important of the story. It's like, oh, I'm like, wow. It happens like 10 times. I'm like, you need to get the rights to the rest of the song because that's rough. Uh, the story is a bit predictable and the character names are just goofy. Like Kevin Pollock's name is Bobby Chicago. Arnold is Jericho Kane. And then you've got Kristen York because in the movie it's explained that the, the devil's Christ is in New York. I'm like, why? So it's just a goofy but entertaining flick. Um, yeah, it's all I really got to say about that. And uh, it's got a Guns N' Roses song on it. Yeah. Which... Oh, my God. Oh, good. Yeah. that It was like the first one in like 15 years they released. Man, it was the most awful fucking song they did. Especially. <laughs> uh... And it was almost like... Axel Rose was trying to emulate the old school Guns N' Roses sound with grunge era GNR and industrial yes. thrown in as well. Yes. And the whole song was a fucking mess. Even having Robin Fink from Nine Inch Nails play guitar on it didn't even save it. <laughs> I can listen to Shane rant about the one song in the soundtrack that <laughs> he doesn't like. <laughs> I like this movie too. I, th- this is one of those movies that really spawned my love for uh, for religious horror. Uh, I saw this in theaters. I think I want to say it was ninety nine. I think yeah, ninety nine, ninety eight, somewhere around there. Oh, ninety nine. Uh, yeah, uh, and I love this one. I thought it was fucking so awesome. Mostly because Arnold, but still, um, the whole movie's pretty good. And I I liked also the Gabriel Burns in it. I think he was also in Stigmata. Yeah, he plays which came out. He plays the opposite. <laughs> Right, it came out the same year. He plays Satan in one, and he plays, like, the priest in the other. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I, got are, uh, awesome. I guess, other notable religious horror films. If you're done, Ryan, are you done? I just want to know, because it's been a couple years since I watched this, do you remember what Schwarzenegger puts in his breakfast shake? Yes. He picks up a, a piece of pizza off the floor. Uh-huh. Oh, God, what else? He puts... Shit. I know he picks up a piece of pizza. He puts Chinese food in it. 
Uh-huh. Noodles or something. He puts Pepto-Bismol. Uh-huh. Uh, and I forget the... He puts a couple other things in it, too. I think one of them's like an open beer can that has like some beer left in it. Yep. And then he, he looks at Kevin Pollock and he's like, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I'm like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> Uh, specifically, I remember that standing out. Oh, plus it's got well one of the most famous Arnold lines: "You're a quiet boy compared to me." Yep. Telling that the same. So <laughs> Great movie, man! I love that one. Yeah, it was good. All right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, other ones. Um, some of the ones I had listed here. Um. I put down Amy. I know you watched this recently because I stalk you on uh, UHM. You you watched the Reaping recently. Yeah, no, I watched the Reaping like a day before you messaged me. Yeah, because I'd also watched and the I think Fight that... this month and the Prophecy movies like earlier this year. Oh really? Yeah. So the Reaping's an interesting one. That one's Hillary Swank, right? Yeah, and I always get her mixed up with Jamie Joe Johnson. I have no idea why. <laughs> and I I liked. I like the setup of that movie more than I like the movie. It's one of those things that I'm like, oh, this is a great story, but the movie's not that good. Yeah, it's a great idea. It just like it gets preachy, but you kind of can't not be preachy with that material. It just seems like it's a very fine line to walk. Right, and it's like a woman who's like an atheist and debunks religious claims as like that's what she does. I'm like, okay, what job is that? Yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> and um, she has to go to Louisiana, I think. And, uh, what is it? All the plagues are happening, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all Something being blamed like on that. that kid. Right, right. There's, like, one kid that's, it's all their fault. So that's, that's a good one. Uh, Stigmata, I had mentioned. That's another interesting horror movie. I like that one. Um, obviously, Exorcist. The Sentinel, I've talked about it before. Uh, it's not super heavy on the religious aspect, but it is sort of like... You know, it's uh, defending uh, the, the gates of hell from um, from coming into the world. That's another great one from the 70s. Uh, what else do I have on here? Um, this one I thought was, I, I was almost, I wanted to do it, but it doesn't really fall into the religious horror, is Lord of Illusions. And yeah, it, I could see that. It's kind of like a cult type thing and magic. I don't know. I, I was bouncing back and forth between it because the last time I watched it, I like fell in love with the movie, but I had seen it before and it never really paid too much mind to it. But I was like, Oh man, I love this movie. So I might go back to that anyway. It, it might just be my blooming man crush on Scott Bakula. That, that could be part of it. I don't blame you, bro. Uh, and then also one of my favorites frailty. And yep. that's not necessarily the sort of religion is true more so that it is like what religion can do to people. God, hand killer. Oh, God. So good. I love it. what I just said. Sorry. So, um, so yeah, it's fucking fantastic. Um, what, what else did you have, Mike? Can I add some more? Um, I got the witch on here for obvious reasons. Rosemary's baby. I've record two, which goes a more religious aspect than the first one. They're Mm -hmm. like saying that instead of, you know, these being like, um, uh, like zombies, they're actual demons. Um, Prince of Darkness. I've got Ooh. Prince of Darkness is one of my favorite horror movies, and I think it's very underrated. Yes, when you talk about Carpenter, um, got Mother on here, which I loved because it actually made me feel like anxious, and I had to pause it. And movies don't really do that with me. 
Um, I've got Exorcist and Exorcist 3. More so Exorcist 3 because it's just, it goes above and beyond with the religious aspect. It's great. I got Frailty, Constantine, The Omen. I got Possession, which is one of my favorite movies Mm -hmm. uh, with Sam Neill. Uh, I got The Church, which I talked about last time, Devil's Advocate, Prophecy. I've Begotten. It's like a a wooden heart from the forum recommended this to me. It's like 30 minutes long. It's it's short, but it's about like God getting reincarnated. It's all done in black and white. It's really good. Uh, I got The uh, Apostle, which is Gareth Evans. It was on Netflix. I think it's a Netflix exclusive. It's pretty good. And I got The Right on here, which I've always had a soft spot for, and I don't know why. I think maybe it's because of... Yeah, it's with Anthony Hopkins, and I saw it in the theater, and I really liked it, and I, I oh, really... I know that one. Anthony Hopkins is an old priest, and there's, like, a possession yeah. going on. I I know what you're talking about. Okay. The, the bitch slapping the small child is, I'm pretty sure, what you're drawn to here. Oh, probably. Right. <laughs> yeah, the best scene in that movie. I'm a small child, then I'm game. Yeah. That's all I got. Nice. How about you, Amy? Any other ones you wanted to mention? Uh, there's a crap ton I want to mention, but um, I guess I will talk about a very small subsect i've noticed uh, i was having a little problem finding this so if you guys have any suggestions awesome i noticed there's a been a small blip in suing the devil movies the biggest one would be like suing the devil from 2011 with malcolm mcdowell mm-hmm. but it, it really is like what it sounds like it's like an evangelical horror movie but these are well it's something that would it kind of reads similar to an evangelical horror movie but it's more of a court drama where they try and take the devil to court and I've seen this a couple of times because the other place I've saw it is this isn't a straight up one, but Darkness and Tom Marcos, which is an independent movie. But it's like Satan shows up to the house of a author and his wife, who's also the editor, and he's struggling. He's like, well, I feel like I didn't get a fair portrayal in the Bible. So write my story. So it was like the devil trying to coax these two people into writing his story for them. And it does get a mild legal element toward towards the end, but it's not like a straight up suing the devil movie. It's just the same kind of plot point. Yeah, that that one you mentioned with Malcolm McDowell, I feel mm-hmm. like I've seen part of it. For some reason, that's like ringing a bell in my head. Like he sh- literally shows up to court, right? Yeah, and what's killing me is like I know I've seen three or four other movies like that, but I can't think of the name of a single damn one of them. Suing the devil, I only knew because we have it in our collection. Mm-hmm. Like, and when we go through lists like this, we always like try and see what we have on disc first. Oh, of course, but... yeah. I try yeah, to keep yeah. all my religious horror in one section so I can <laughs> have access to it. And they also did Lucifer, that TV show where Lucifer fights crime. Mm, yeah. Which that, I thought my friend was making up, and I laughed at him. He's like, no, it's real. I'm like, what? <laughs> I heard it's good, too. Yeah. I had some pagan horror, like The Wicker Man, um, Midsommar, stuff Ugh. like that. The I know Shane mentioned Martyrs, because there's a lot of religious stuff in that Mike mentioned, Begotten, which is going, you know, French art film. I did Count Cult stuff, so like stuff like Red State. Because I've had sure. a like, side series been doing that. that oh, yeah. Or... Red State. Such a good movie. Which one, Red State? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like that one, but I actually really enjoyed it. I, I think Kevin Smith makes a decent horror movie. I actually like Tusk. So Yeah, I did too. Like, it gets shit on a lot, but I was All like, right. this isn't bad. What about Yoga Hosers? Okay, we're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking you do strange things for the love of your child, I would assume. Yeah. <laughs> I actually just rewatched Midsummer the other day because my 4K uh, Ultra Blu-ray 
came in. Oh, I got an email saying my shit got delayed, Mike. Ooh, it's enormous, and I can't put it anywhere. But um, to see your post about that, and I thought it was really funny because you just you just commented well. Yeah, (laughs) I had nowhere to put it. I have to lay it horizontal on top of my other Blu-rays like a pleb, and uh, it's the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. Like it's it looks gorgeous and the first time i saw midsummer i wasn't really i was like i like it you know i liked it i, I like ari aster he's i think he's one of the next up and great uh horror directors and his next movie is supposed to be like four hours long and i'm down with it um but i like the director's cut a lot better there's like 30 more minutes it's about three hours long it's like 30 more minutes of dialogue where they're just kind of looking at each other and they're like this is a cult and because in the original theatrical they're just kind of like take everything they're like okay well you know, it's we gotta have an open mind. And this one, she's like, We need to leave. Hey, you, want me, <laughs> you want me to eat this hair pie? Absolutely. Yeah, this pew pie. <laughs> oh dear. Short of the corn obviously had religious coding in it. Sure. Oh, yeah. By default. Uh Alice Sweet Alice also gets selled under the title communion, even though I've never seen it run under that title, but like it has that one bit and that's kinda it. Like the opening is really the only part that's religious on that. If people have seen that, mm. yeah, I've seen it. I don't remember the religious parts of it though. That's been uh, a while. The beginning scene with her sister is at the sisters' communion. Oh, okay. So, like, I personally, I'm not a big fan of Alice, Sweet Alice. I've never like gotten into it, but I've always appreciated the balls that movie had. Of like, you just had like a kid die straight out, flat out at the beginning of your fucking movie. Like, yeah. I kind of have to, I kind of have to appreciate that. Yep. Awesome. Oh, what do you say we wrap this up, guys? I've got some tater tots I need attention to. Oh, dude, tater tots. <clears throat> I have some sausage rolls to bake. Sausage rolls. Got turkey chili. Set <laughs> ground turkey for lunch. I've got sausage rolls to make. I've also got to make some chocolate mint truffles. Look at you. Whoa, Shane. What? Chocolate mint truffles? Yep. Wow. Do you make the ganache too? Oh fuck yeah! Do you put your pubes in it? <laughs> no. Only specifically for certain people, Mike. And yeah, your period, like, and your period I, juice, your menstrual. I'll shave my pubes off and send you some, so at least then you'll be able to come off your teeth. It's getting real expensive to keep sending that to the UK, Shane. I know. You've got to find your own local source. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he wants Ziggy to get laid. Oh, he wants to pop over <laughs> cat's cherry, you know. <laughs> oh but yeah, I'll put um, chocolate sausage rolls to make this evening. Um, I've got some biscuits to make too, as in like cookies, biscuits. Yeah, know? I was going to ask. Do you mean like KFC biscuits, or are we talking about cookies here? Cookies. We call them biscuits in the UK. What Mike. do you call biscuits? Biscuits. So you call biscuits? Son of a bitch. You call biscuits biscuits. You call biscuits cookies? You're saying that they have the same consistency. Consistency. Scones. Scones. No, a scone is not a biscuit. Uh oh. But is a biscuit a scone? No. Same thing. It's the same the same ingredients. Yeah, well a pizza is the same tacos with burritos. (laughs) Completely different. Completely different. Yeah, whatever. Shane, you don't know what you're talking about. Fuck you, Mike. You don't know what you're talking about. 
No, you don't know what you're talking about. Fuck you. I know we've pointed this out, but I believe Shane has confirmed in the past that in Britain they call English muffins muffins, and they call American-style muffins muffins. So why even put the English on That's insane. This is anarchy. <laughs> it's like the Great British Bake Off, and it's the Great British Baking Show. And over yeah. there, they just call it with the baking show with Mary Berry's mummy ass. <laughs> oh, man. Decrepit old woman. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. Put sugar in a bowl, you put butter in it, and you mix it, and it tastes good. With your, with your bony fingers. <laughs> so bony. She's the crypt keeper, actually. Oh, yeah. She, she really is. She was in Demon Knight. That's <laughs> <laughs> starring Mary Berry. <laughs> Mike, you need to find a picture of Mary Berry and impose her face oh, on the crypt keepers. Please do that for the podcast. <laughs> Belle, Belle's a big fan of Mary Berry. She might get mad at me for that. <laughs> <laughs> All the more reason to do it. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. He's going to be pretty upset when I'm putting those pictures of Billy Zane and photoshopped uh, Mary Berry. Yeah. She's not going to know. I'm not even not even going to tell her we talked about this. I'm just well, gonna she'll never know. She doesn't listen. <laughs> That's true. She doesn't. <laughs> yeah. She probably doesn't even know. You know. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, if anyone wants to get a hold of the podcast... Um, Again, all you need is bloodpod at gmail.com. The Facebook group, all you need is blood. And if you want to get a hold of me, I am on Twitter at Ryan Tudelo. On Instagram, all you need Ryan. And I'm also on Facebook and the upcoming horrormovies.com message board you can find me on. Mike. <laughs> okay, um, I do the All You Need is Blood podcast on Instagram. Uh, I'm on the forum, the Facebook group. And uh, yeah, it's, and I have my own Instagrams, Whittemore, just with a zero at the end instead of an O, because I want to keep it keep it sleazy, you know. Very elite of you. <laughs> the elitist. Shane. Um, you can find me on Instagram at robojunes seventy four, and you can find me on Twitter, uh, Dead Cell Society. The all you need is blood podcast group on Facebook. Um, that's about it. And your Pornhub name is Seymour Butts, right? Not anymore. <laughs> I will always argue Rip Torn is the best porn name. Oh, no. <laughs> Amy, is there any way you want anyone to get a hold of you to send you copies of PD Wheatstraw? <laughs> Yeah, uh, all of my, I'm pretty on much every social media platform is After Dark Analysis. I still run all the channel stuff, just I'm not really posting content anymore. Awesome. All right, well, I want to thank uh, you guys for joining me. Thank you, Amy, for coming on and uh, discussing the religious horror topic. And I guess we'll just wrap it up. I'll say bye for now. Bye. Bye, We didn't catch her, Shane. You didn't say goodbye to anybody. That's right, I don't. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, my back teeth are floating. I gotta piss. Yeah, I ah, went right that... before we started, but then I drank a cup of tea, an entire seltzer, and then a beer. And I'm like, oh my god, I gotta go so bad now.
I've been drinking a gallon of water a day, and man, my it's crystal clear, but I'm going like every 10 minutes. Jeez. So are you using a catheter, or are you pissing in a bottle? Fuck? Oh, just my pants. <laughs> no, I, I do laundry like every day now. It's crazy. No, I was just thinking, sat here talking, and it's like, are you pissing in a bottle? Have you got your knob out and pissing in a bottle? Well, do you have a catheter or some kind of tubing system where you can piss into it and aims into your toilet? <laughs> you do it fast pieces. enough, it's just perpetual warmth. Yeah. yeah. 